Great. What were you saying about intention? Man. Say it again. Because I, 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 no, I didn't understand it. When you're sitting opposite a mountain, opposite a tree, anything of nature, nature has no intention. Nature is but what it is, right? It exists. And I guess ma intention is the word I'm using to try and understand this notion of man-made, right? This idea that we are intending for things to be in a, a certain sense, in every sense. Like a table is intended as a table, right? It's, it's wood that we've made to be a table. Mm -hmm. And so you realize that sort of the, our entire world of perception is built around other people's intention. And that the only way to sort of get out of that intention is to try and be in nature with no human beings. Or at least nobody saying anything. Yeah, I see, I see your point. Everything that we have that is around us right now, it is, it's translated through the human experience, right? Everything. Everything. Nothing is like Absolutely not human. Everything. <laughs> and that's really depressing because we are not the only <laughs> people who live on this world at all <laughs> there is entire world well what it has to do exists you know it it's that idea that we're creating um a universe that was at least the universe that was created around us was built on the intention of profit which it just doesn't feel like a the best reality for us like it seems to me really obvious that there's a better reality out there one that's sort of like built on the the concept of cooperation, the one that's built on sort of feeding the nature, feeding the planet, feeding each other. Like, it just feels like it's a kind of unnecessary. All this profit, you know? Yes, <laughs> it just yes. It seems to make very much yes. sense right now. This word, this word doesn't, sh should not make sense and is uh, it's ridiculous, you know? I think like a dog doesn't think about profit, you know? What can I gain? So, the, like, the, the key words for me throughout this entire experience have been reality and control. It's like, I've been watching a lot of these psychedelic videos, or videos about psychedelics. And they ask, like, well, wait, how, how in control are we? You know? I pick up the water because I'm thirsty. You yes. know? Because my body has said give me water and I'm s just like a slave to that you know what I mean? you know what I mean like I obey what my body tells me I mean it's always this constant conversation between mind and mind and body soul and body <coughs> and um, <coughs> man yeah I, I don't it's know if it, thank you I don't know if it's um if, if it's slavery, it, maybe it's a conversation, maybe it's uh, an interaction, right? Maybe we we are bound. We are bound. Well, maybe maybe you disagree. We are bound by our physical condition, but this is coming from someone who doesn't understand possibly other realities. <laughs> you know, I look at look myself in the mirror, and the only thing I can hear is something I saw on a podcast. Where a guy was like, I looked myself in the mirror, super like tripping on mushrooms, and it looked crazy. And then 
someone who was really experienced or whatever because they were at a conference for psychedelics. So this guy's like, no, this is Duncan Trussell. And someone gave him some crazy like Iboga shit at this conference in the Marriott. <laughs> and he's looking himself in the mirror and he's like, holy shit. And another guy's like, ah, trip face. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, it's human beings have this way of like taking this ex- incre- incredibly spiritual type of experience and saying like, trip and just face. Putting That's it in a box. It <laughs> <laughs> but let's put it in the box. Take it. Let's put it in the box. Exactly. That's 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 humans, right? Like, that's kind of how I felt about listening to these rainforest sounds. It's just the idea of another. Yes, it's. I had to sort of detach myself. I'm listening to nature as it was intended itself, in some sense, right? But what I'm listening to is somebody chose to put the microphone there. Somebody chose to hit record. Somebody chose to process that file. Somebody chose to put it online. You know, mm-hmm. and like. The thing that bothered me about it is that I, a video is a space of time and made me think like, wait, what's, what's time? You know, what, what, what is it? Like, we create videos and videos are a factor of time. Like, a video is a couple minutes long, but it doesn't take time unless you press play. You know, it doesn't exist unless you press yes. play. Yes. Anything, anything recorded can be only, only be relived under your discretion and under your power. Exactly. Which is trippy, man. This idea <laughs> of actually our entire universe is like, you know, we have Netflix and Spotify and everything. It's all like life at your discretion. And who's to say that my discretion is the right discretion? Like, wh- why not just let nature decide for it, you know? Uh, yeah, that's crazy, man. I, I uh, because because it reminds me of of stories, right? What the, the idea of a story, and uh, this idea that stories are connected to the human condition. That we lo- we love stories by default. So I was re- watching a video yesterday, made by this brilliant Saudi Arabian guy. He does animation, but uh, he, he's it was a half hour uh, story of the, the Gilgamesh. Remember Gilgamesh from uh, Mesopotamia. This is the first. Man, I'd love to learn more about that. Yeah, the first ever recorded story, and uh, it, it's incredible the the depth. And I think you would, yeah, you would really appreciate the story again. But the depth of thought of our existence and what does it mean to be to matter, and what is it, what does it mean to give meaning? Is it to find it? How do you find it? Uh, uh, how do you be eternal? Is it through your name or is it through what you do? You know, stuff like that. And friendship. Well, the word matter is th- was definitely a theme for me. Like, the thing is, I'm talking to you like, you know, I've, I've reached the other side, you know. Um, but, like, <laughs> for all intents, like, based on the time that I took it, I should be in the middle of the fucking trip. And my hands still look like I'm a gorilla. Like, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely still on this planet, you know. But it's like, uh, or at least I'm a different planet. I'm definitely still tripping. Okay. But it's like, I can understand it, you know? I'm, I'm in it, and I can talk about it. Ah, uh, okay. You, you're aware of what I'm saying. 100%, man. I'm totally here. Yeah. Like, I'm 100% yeah. present. It's certain, but it made me think of matter. Like, you know, we, we look to make things matter when matter is matter itself. You know what I mean? Everything is matter. And whether or not um, making things matter is just a translation of human beings intention we're just intending for things 
but nature has no intention. You know what I'm saying? Like, in some sense, yeah. I feel yeah. like what mushrooms are, it's like, you know, we, we understand that mycelium as a concept, because we've been learning about this stuff, right? We understand mm-hmm. that it's a network, it's an intelligent network-based organism, far more intelligent than ourselves, it seems, right? And so what I think it is, by putting psilocybin, it's like saying, you know what? Let the mushroom do the thinking for a while. And it's sort of, you, you have to sit there and, and you feel kind of in competition with it if you're not able to let yourself go. Like, the wow. fact that I'm talking to you right now is like me saying, you know what, I can overcome whatever this thing is telling me to be, telling me to think. And it's like, yeah. I, can, I can still be me. I can still function. I can be everything. I can be present. But like, there was definitely a point where it felt like everything was melting. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the, the the fun moments, you know. Yeah, for sure. That's so, that's 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 great, man. I, for me, when when the idea of consuming mushrooms with the knowledge that I have through that video we watched or that that film, uh, it, it was as if like when you're eating mushrooms, it's like this most sacred thing because you are consuming it and it is giving you attributes or whatever it is it is giving it to you completely and like for me it seemed like eating mushrooms is being the mushroom itself <laughs> in that in, i see in, that i feel in, that in the sense that it is connected with everything it is it is it is all knowing in some sense it is communicating it is the neurons of the world you know what i mean and it's like saying hey mushroom you do the driving you know yeah but Let me sit that back it actually, and watch. But it actually does that, you know. But I have noticed that, like, okay, I tried it once. We're in the wood. We're in like the mountains. But the wind is so much, and it's like you, you're trying to let yourself go. You're trying to let the mushroom sort of take you there. But you have to. You okay? Shit! Now we need fire because we're cold, and sort of you just okay. I get it. You're a human being, and you need fire, and it's like one of the most natural things. But somehow in order to really have a spiritual experience. So, like, I'm kind of talking to you from the perspective of saying, you know what, halfway through it, I figured, shit, I got to try this again. You know, I, again, I got to do it. Like, mm. it's just about mm. the angle of approach. And mm. I approached it wrong. It was kind of like 2 p.m. I said, fuck it, let me take some mushrooms. I just took five grams. And God, I put it in the blender, which is the worst idea because it didn't blend it. It just like, ugh. And so I mixed it with a little bit of water. I was just like every sip, I was oh. gagging. Oh, oh, it was like I was just trying to take it, but it was like, okay, I already took half, and I need to just do this. And I couldn't, I, it was just, it didn't feel like a very pleasant experience, you know. Oh man, but still, yeah, you still have you still want to know, and you still find it uh, like appreciate it, right? So, well, I think I, I, I must have brought this up with a point, like, yeah. I think ceremony is actually one of the things that's missing with mushrooms, right? That's, that's, that's what I was referring to when I was talking about being a guide as such. Like, I don't think I'm necessarily... Like, you and me, if we put ourselves next to, like, a shaman, you know? A guy who's, like, lived his whole life connected to the planet. Who the fuck are you and me, you know, in terms of, like, our level of that's, spiritual connectedness? Yeah, man, that's exactly what the book was talking about, man. Like, this, the, these shamans are... They are they're called magicians. Not because they do card tricks and like uh, pick card and a card it's like it is they are in tune with everything that is around us and surrounds us and and hugs us and takes us away and blinds us and you know what i mean everything 
That's and that's super cool. It's Absolutely like, everything, man. We, we are nothing. Like in that. Well, I said that panel discussion, which was super interesting because it's like it showed that one of the shamanic rituals, that's like ayahuasca. It's actually the shaman does the ayahuasca, and you sit there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and it's like he's tripping. And he's going to show you the way by trying to, trying to channel you and the combination of you and matter and energy and everything. But he's the one who has the experience to be able he's to do it. He's the guide. Like, you know. And so one of, the, one of them said, like, one of the guys said at this panel discussion, the way they're experimenting with mushrooms is to, they invited a bunch of religious officials from all over the world, like high clergy people. And they essentially are recognizing this is super interesting about mushrooms because it seems like scientifically you have to accept that everybody's having the same experience the sort of oneness with the universe this this idea of oneness with everything is something that science is beginning to have to accept so i see it as like the merging of the esoteric and the empirical and it's like the two are coming together in a way that science has to accept and it's interesting to me that why it seems strange that science has to accept this thing that it isn't able to explain you know because science is just human beings desperate need to explain everything we can explain mm -hmm. right but Instead in some being. sense like exactly exactly it takes us further away from being and that's what the Tao says every every thought you have takes you further away from what life is thinking removes you and definitions remove you like they call it we call it the Tao for lack of a better name. That's in the Tao itself. That's what it says. <laughs> like it doesn't have a name. It doesn't need a name. It's just we give it one so we can refer to it. But it is nameless. And every definition takes us further from reality itself. And that's, uh, as we said, it's the boxes we put ourselves in, you know? Yeah. It's just, uh, just to make things more simple. I don't know why. I sometimes think, you know what, wouldn't it be great? Like, really wouldn't it be great? Get a property in Costa Rica with all our closest buddies, you know? And just live in a commune together, you know? Adil, you, me, Leslie, and Jude, and Thar, and just the, all the close friends we've collected, and your families, and we're all just like, what would be like the daily quality of life, you know? Like, is this, is this the quality of life we want? You know, sitting between four walls, looking at screens, communicating to each other through like, digital media where it's like intention is absolutely everywhere or we say you know let's just go live in this fruit village of costa rica where we have like sacred eating rituals and and meditate together and just like enjoy physical company with other people sit around the fire together like and just every day with no desire to be anything no desire to do anything other than to be it's it's really funny man because i i want I watched the film and it explained this I, this idea exactly, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> in a different way. It's it <laughs> basically there was a man, um, he he went to go see his friend and this this friend of his is young, they're they're you know both thirty one, but the other man has like five tumors in his brain and three tumors in his body. And he's he has like two weeks to live, and they're in a retreat um, somewhere far away, just nature, gardens, water everywhere, and Buddha is just in different st like statues in the in the room, different places, and it's all celebratory. 
His wife is sitting right next to him as he's on his deathbed, laying down, and she is in love with him. They just recently got married, and they're going to live the best marriage they could ever live. And then three of other, three other friends, and they're all singing shamanic traditions and, and prayers. And the, the main character looks and goes in and watches everybody. And he, there was a narration saying, Juan Pedro had envy, envy for this person. Not in any malicious way, but that the look that his wife is giving to him right now will not be worth, uh, is, is worth everything. And it is nothing that, anything that my wife looks at me right now, or anybody that I have ever loved. It's like the height of love, basically. Like what else? And and so, why why at the deathbed do we do we decide to do all of these things? You know what I mean? His his friends are all around him. He's worshiping Buddha and just you know all love and care everywhere. That's beautiful, right? Why does it have to be retirement? You know? Why do we have to project a future for ourselves? Why can't we project it now? Right? Yeah. And I think that's what this sort of like commune style living is all about. The only thing is you have to sort of, it's dialect, they call it dialectical materialism in some sense. Like you have to understand that your relationship is in reality to, or in, your reality is in relationship to everybody else's agreed reality. And so you sort of have to get to a point where you and me are practical people and we can understand how to navigate that, but also think like a big problem with communes is how other people present them. And so mm -hmm. it causes a disconnect and people get angry at them because, oh, you're doing this and that and this because they're being presented as such. Now I think, oh, here we are, you know, we're so smart, we can control, we can control our perception. <laughs> who just said, who just walked in the room? We have, we have a guest here. Oh. <laughs> but hard. I can't believe it, man. <laughs> Your voice, man. It's been great. What a voice, man. What a laugh. Look at that, man. This is so great. Shuvarhan. <laughs> oh, my God, man. It's great to hear your voice, man. How's it going? Ah, you're that excited, huh? It's exactly... Look at it. It's, it's exactly 7 p.m., you know. <laughs> right on time. Nice. Man. Well, this is what we were talking about. We we're talking about a film that I, I watched, and it's it's incredible. It was a three-hour film, and I've, I haven't watched a three-hour film in so long. It's called Our Time, Nuestra Tiempo, uh, by a Mexican uh, director, and it's about this love triangle that happens between two Mexican, uh, a Mexican couple and American, who uh, all work on a, a horse ranch, and it's just this idea. It's, it goes into it's a liter it's a piece of literature. It's like, you know, it's just like, it talks about fidelity, it talks about love. And there's this one, here, well, this is basically, this is, this is the, the line that I really loved. El, el amor es ductil y ante todo imperfecto. Which is, which is, uh, love, love, love is, uh, what is it? Oh, sorry, in English, I read the whole thing. Um. Yes, that it, love is reparable, and before everything, 
imper- uh, imperfect. Like, it's just... It was beautiful, man. Yeah, it, it it's uh, it, it goes to depth, but visually, you know, it's like a piece of writing, but you can see it actually. It's how you look at it, right? In some sense, the a television show is your relationship to a to a character, to a story, and you sort of you carry that relationship with you into your life as it simply is too much time. Like Breaking Bad will carry you through five seasons. You can't simply watch mm-hmm. it in one sitting unless you're added and say what. <laughs> right <laughs> and so there are fic- what I find with movies however depending on the film if it's a commercial product it's hard to feel any even remotely connected to it but there are some movies that somehow are able to take all of whatever that moment of life is whatever idea that it has and to capture it into one thing that exists in one and a half hours it's incredible and you sort of yeah it's like boxing it like we're all catching butterflies you know and trying to like put them together in one place that's why i love the coen brothers so much <laughs> i can never finish thinking about them always goes back to how are you doing burhan yeah man? i mean I, I, so I, good I, to hear your voice i'm good man yeah i know rob like uh it's actually it's crazy how long it's been you know when i actually yeah, think man. about it what's um, time anyway man what do you think of that yeah we're what in the do you room think of that <laughs> <laughs> we're in the room now. Yeah, right? I mean, in a, in, a, in, a, in a way, in a way that uh, uh, we have that relationship because we, we know each other from our youth uh, and we sort of developed core aspects of our personalities and our, I suppose, uh, intellect, uh, you know, together, like stuff that probably carries through our entire life. So reconnecting, I feel, uh, with people from that time of my life is actually so easy. I I, I feel Completely. no effort in it whatsoever. Yeah, I even feel that man. Yeah, even, even with the ones that you weren't really close to, it's the it's the idea that you've all interacted in this one space and grew and yeah, it, as you said, grew all your values with. It's it, there's a sense of understanding. It's it, in a very different way. Well, if I say King's yeah, Academy, sure. if I say the word King's Academy, yeah. both of you, suddenly we're at a place that mm-hmm. we were all at that place it doesn't matter what that place was as such right it doesn't matter what we learned specifically or what food we had but it's the fact that we were all in the same place and sort of spiritually all in the same place Mm. for like four years exactly you know yeah yeah it was it was the the setting the material the 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 conversations the people i think that's Mm. really important we had we, we had common relationships, right? And so, in a way, we had common experiences uh, that are tied to tangible and intangible things. And I think it's a huge part of why, uh, you know, that, that familiarity exists. I mean, and I, by the way, I don't have that same feeling when I meet people from, like, middle school. I feel the same way um, as you. I mean, yeah. Because in the middle school, I mean, I connect with them, but I connect with them 
in the mentality I was in middle school. Uh, yeah, I can totally know, relate. I, I totally relate. Yeah. So I think I think at Kings we uh, at, and and in any high school you I think that it's particularly memorable because you know you grow into this young adult that uh, in, in, and you have these experiences that uh, like we, like we said you know shape the foundation of what you'll end up becoming. Imagine it started at like age five, you know, just to entertain the thought for a second. Imagine we were like, that's the type of relationship we nurtured from age five onward, you know, and we were all at the same place up till 18. Mm. Like, how, would it be different? I mean, those are your siblings, Of course right? it would be different. Well, yeah, it would be different. I do feel uh, sibling. But, but, but in a way, yeah, I think... You, you would definitely have more, maybe, memories to share. But um, I still, I mean, maybe I'm unique. I, I feel, I feel uh, maybe this is a unique experience. I don't know. But a lot of my views today are grounded in, in what I talked about and learned in those four years. Uh, I let go a lot of, of a lot of things that I grew up with before that, you know? So I wonder if it would make a difference in terms of what kind of conversation we would have, because I feel the real growth, we, we still experienced it despite not being, knowing each other before, before the age of like, what, 14? Mm -hmm. It's true. So who are you today? Like, like you know, Burhan Drobi wakes up, like what's, what's the first thing you're thinking about today? Like, what are your priorities? What are, you, what are the ways that you're growing and the things that you're trying to address? <laughs> well, um, I suppose uh, at the moment, at the very moment, um, I'm insanely immersed in my work. Um, obviously, I have, I have a couple of interests as well that I'm also exploring, but my work is really what's taking up my life right now. And I'm working right now in, uh, in a fintech firm called Axiom. And I'm sort of approaching now sort of a role which is a bit different than what I started my career in, which is a more of sort of an architectural role. So uh, I'm just, I suppose, thinking about innovation, about technology, about managing stakeholders and people. But uh, I think I do, uh, my mind does sway away from that though. <laughs> and sometimes I think, am I, am I betraying uh, some of the stuff that I want to do? But I think it's all part of a grander plan, hopefully. What um, do you want to do? Like clearly but, yeah. there's a force there that's pulling you somewhere. What, what do you feel like the, that force is telling you? I think the biggest thing is, um, uh, I suppose, being influential uh, at the macro scale. So uh, there's a sense of dissatisfaction working in a, as an employee in a firm, you know, because your influence is limited to the people you work with, which, you know, can be rewarding, but um, I've always, I always uh, tried to, I always grew up with that kind of ambitions that wanted me to kind of have a wider influence. So, and then the question is, who, who do I want to influence, right? And I suppose that would be 
uh, something to do to do with um, you know Middle East to an extent because you know if you are, if you ask me what the ideal career path is in ten years' time is to take whatever I'm learning here and just expand it at a much larger scale in the Middle East and have an influence on the industry there and then also have the capacity to explore some of my let's say non-profit uh, interests <laughs> but yeah let's see I mean it's it's a, it's, a, it's a journey I suppose it's a journey and uh, you have to enjoy I feel the small steps but you can't you can't forego uh, that ambition I feel and and you know I've, I've had a lot of forces in the last four or five years ever since I stopped you know I, I graduated a lot of forces that have tried to push me to think smaller but I don't know I still I still want to do something more but um, it's I think like I said one small steps and then are you seize the opportunity when it comes are you able to manifest or sort of project a, a place where you would be satisfied so it depends on how you define satisfaction for me the way I define satisfaction is if I were in my deathbed would I be happy with my life right yes that for me and the question is like yeah so the question is what what would that be I don't think I think my what I envision uh, satisfies me at that point is constantly changing um, evolving I guess um, but like I said it has to be in the realm that I I just described I think uh, you know if I if I look if today let's say today my life ends I think I would be satisfied because I'm happy with the way my journey has gone so far. But when towards the end of, you know, a human lifespan, I'd hope to have achieved much more. Yeah. Do you think the negative things that happened have ha that or yeah, the negative things or the uh, the regrets you've had, you know, happened for a reason or do you think uh, that you're just satisfied because there was no other option? You know what I mean? Hmm. So I think I think so. So there are some mitigating factors. Like right? there are some mitigating factors. I believe in my own story, which mm. I have to put in context. So yes. like just for example, you've got the Syrian war, right? Yeah. serious mitigating factor uh, you've got Syrian passport yes. <laughs> second <laughs> serious mitigating factor <laughs> nothing you don't <laughs> keep going <laughs> and then obviously the third which is related to the second is uh, uh, my, your opportunities are limited because of where you can work so yes. um, so I think I think that's what I mean like I'd be satisfied because I know within the context I feel satisfied. Um, but uh, once those shackles are removed, I hope to um, I hope to uh, live up to my expectations. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. I guess I you're think on point. Yeah, life, you're right. in some sense, we're dealing with the fact that we're projecting expectations in front of us, and 
those expectations are, are a product of whatever it is we are now, right? And those expectations fluctuate constantly with whoever it is that we are in that moment that is projecting them, right? And it's sort of, to me, it reaches all the same exact point. It reaches the same conclusion no matter what perspective I look at it from. In the end, like, I try to, like, look at things beyond our, the scale of our own lifespan, you know? Like, what if, let's look, look at it from a thousand years from now. Even, like, forget about universe or whatever, within our human race. If we look at it a thousand years from now, what does it actually matter that we're, like, trying to find influence? In fact, history is paved with men looking for influence, right? And so I think, well, what if we just lived in King's Academy for the rest of our lives? And I, King's Academy being a figure of speech. So it's like, let's just find a place with beautiful nature and take all our friends and live in the same place together and just eat together every day and have beautiful, simple lives and raise families together, <laughs> raise each other's children. You know, like, tell, tell me that that's not like the most idyllic way of, and wouldn't give anybody any other trouble. You know, we'd have a sort of your own value system within it. You'd make your own food, cultivate your own life. And I think like, wh isn't that a type of desirable thing? Why do we all feel like, because you might have an intention to influence at a greater scale, but I think a lot of people do. And so now suddenly we've got thousands, millions of people who want to influence things. But the question is, well, we can, can't even influence ourselves. So like, maybe we start there, you know, and then we see how, how things fare. But <laughs> a criticism of the human journey. race. <laughs> it's it's, uh, a, it's, it's a life's it's journey to try and influence anything yeah. but yourself. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, it's a, such a good, such a good point, and it's extremely valid. Like, uh, you know, I've, I've got my thoughts about afterlife, right? And a lot of people, they, they, think the product of influencing is perhaps uh, gaining more after this life, right? But for me, I want to limit my scope of, of my consciousness to this world. So if that is the case, then you're absolutely right. In a thousand years. Nobody's gonna uh, remember or care or, uh, or 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 you know your your influence like 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 homeopathic medicine <laughs> is is so is so diluted <laughs> in the great vast of time that yeah I agree I suppose it's about where we where I think it goes back to the definition of satisfaction I think we were actually like I. You're saying that a lot of people want to influence, but from my exposure, actually, I've met a lot of people who are not raised that way, you know? Mm. I actually think that coming from the Middle East, coming from even King's Academy, because King's Academy was all about that. It was all about, it kept pushing into us that, you know, to live a worthwhile life, it is about helping people and, and you know, making a name yourself, writing your name in history, all that kind of jargon. So I think in a way... Uh, our definition, my definition of satisfaction is probably derived from that. But I mean, like, I mean, why do I love immersive games? You know, why, for example, it's because I could put myself in a place where I'm so insanely immersed and happy and just like just having a thrill and enjoyment. And you could, if you could expand that to a lifespan, for sure, that's a worthwhile life. But it's a worthwhile life that I think we never contemplated as a worthwhile life when we were growing up I think I mean that's kind of why we look at our youth and think those are the those are the days right because there's that idea that you're all on the same page and so whatever frequency that we're on we're all on the same frequency you know 
and it's pretty much the same music we're all listening to. We're playing the same sports, we're eating the same food. And when you share that frequency with other people, you become one in some sense. And in your adult life, we all step into our own lives and you have to sort of pick up the frequency for yourself. Nobody's teaching you how to do this because nobody knows. This, this, nobody's like been at this point before where we've sort of the life that we've created. Whereas like the thousands of generations before us, probably like if you go back, let's say, let's say go back 150 generations where there was like a very consistent way of life where the father and the son lived the exact same type of life, you know, with no change whatsoever. I think wh why is that not something to look f look at why do we feel like we need to affect things you know mm. it might be <sighs> Just it was so like great you know eating together in every day senses. sitting at those round yeah. tables do you remember that mm. of course you remember that of course yeah yeah and, and, and in a sense sometimes when I uh, have a dream about a happy moment it's not me influencing things it's me being like uh, in the old streets of Damascus, right? Which is which is a which is a feeling. It's an experience. It's not framed in the sense of uh, your influence in the world. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, it's you and your interaction with the world. Yeah, and I, I think I think like I think a huge part of it, though, for me at least, is just also I feel very privileged. You know, I feel and more so than ever. I feel like I got away with it. Like my circumstances of how I, of who I am, how was I born, like the metrics, the, the, the fixed metrics about my life have, you know, uh, hurt people uh, in a vast scale. So I feel like that privilege that I have where I was able to step out of it all, overcome those fixed obstacles, um, I feel an obligation almost that, um, I have to do I have to give something back I suppose like I would never say I want to influence in the UK for example mm. I don't think I never think about that in fact I think it's very unlikely but I have separate views on that <laughs> but I think it's very unlikely and it's I think maybe naive to think that and we can influence in in the West your 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 feeling is is related to your community. It's it still goes back to that feeling of togetherness, right? Because you had that shared uh, experience uh, on a grand scheme. So it's just it's still you know recollection of of being part of something. Yeah, but I I, I think I mean there's definitely a fantastical element to it too, which goes to what Rob's saying because mm. uh, you know I have been back since. And it has struck me to be very unlike what I thought in my head it would be, mm. you know. So there's that element of me trying to ground myself and remind myself that I probably changed too much to be maybe even capable of making the, the kind of influence I want there. Mm. <laughs> but, yeah. the, the problem for me is that the word privilege still exists within the continuum that human beings have created. Right, we've created a world in which the word privilege has a value associated to it, relative to the other value that we've created. Right, in the Chinese Tao, you say where you create beauty, you create you create ugly. Where you create good, you create bad. Is that everything? Where you create wealth, you create poverty. Is that that's the yin and the yang? Everything is balanced to that. And so it kind of makes me feel like, well, what's you know, people, the hunter gatherers, even the ones who are alive today, but the ones throughout history, they felt very privileged and grateful. Mm -hmm. 
because they had the bounty of this natural world that was given to them. And right now our definition of privilege is a social class, it's a status thing, it's a wealth thing. But every one of these words is still man-made. And it kind of gets me to think like, well, what would be a, a privileged existence? I think like we've, this whole idea of suffering, that human beings have to like you have to suffer through life i feel like it this is what some of the philosophers of the 19th century sort of imposed upon our entire zeitgeist that we have to accept suffering as a part of the human condition when i feel nietzsche. like if exactly exactly yeah. but nietzsche was like yeah. this guy was a he was a tormented soul in a, in a <laughs> lot of respects uh, and it's important to sort of to, to check in with that and you think let's say we all just moved to costa rica for example you know, and we all had exactly the image that I described pr previously, where every day we eat together, we sing together, we meditate together, we live together. It's like, how much stress would we actually, most of us, have to bear throughout our lifetime? You know, it would be a very pleasant life. With, do you not think that, that within that world, that, do you not think within that world you created, though, there will be, there will be some individuals who, after some time, will seek to influence that society I think so. as well? Yeah. Of course. I think that's actually built into it. But what you find, at least from all the reading I'm doing, is that all these hunter-gatherer societies had ways of dealing with that. Like one of the ways was that uh, how you kept the ego in check is that when you would come, when you would like hunt a large animal, everybody else would talk down what you've done. Oh, <laughs> if, if it was that small of an animal, I shouldn't have come if I knew it was that small. And that's how, at least that's how you keep the other people's ego in check. So nobody feels themselves too powerful. But they had ways of mitigating, because in the end, how much could you affect in terms of your greed in, the, in a nomadic hunter-gatherer tribe? People wouldn't stand for it. They wouldn't let you do it. You just become like an indolent child, right? And often, if it gets out of hand, exactly. If it gets out of hand, they'll kill you. Like, that's pretty much it, because it's what's a evolutionarily beneficial trait is generosity. Because generosity, evolutionarily speaking, is I hunt today, and I share food with you now, so that when you hunt, you share food with me. Like that's kind of where it comes from. It's a reciprocity, it's a cooperation. Like we're mm -hmm. built on cooperation. And so it just gets me to think like, yes, I think if a bunch of people step in with this, these principles in mind, that cooperation is truly the only way that we can succeed at living life, it gets you to think that greed doesn't have a place in that world. It, doesn't, it simply doesn't have a place. And all of us feel better. The net product for all of us is better on a daily basis when we do it this way hmm. I, I you know uh, I wasn't much informed on the cultural and social aspects of hunter-gatherers until I read sapiens and uh, I was I was I mean I was incredibly uh, I was uh, fascinated because you know the, the the critical point in history where you know we moved from um, well, the agricultural revolution, you know, it's portrayed in modern uh, literature um, as, um, well, not even modern, I'd say, in the past probably 1,000 years, as a positive revolution, right? In every sense. Um, but in that book, he certainly describes how, um, yeah, you had less, but maybe the mortality rate was lower. Um, uh, sorry, mortality was higher for hunter-gatherers, but those who did survive lived much, much better lives. Um, and, and the class system only came into play when the agricultural revolution occurred because, uh, you know, 
that's where the um, yeah, the hierarchical systems were developed. Um, exactly, man. Yeah. I mean, consider that the reality that we live in is based on like min al-fahman halla. Yeah, I mean, mm. who's the one who's telling us what it is? At some point, Galileo came about and he said, this is what it is. And everybody at first said, fuck you. And then they said, okay, wait a minute, that's what it is. And then something else comes about, Newton, and then, oh, that's what it is. Darwin comes about, that's what it is. So it's constantly changing, which to me means like, we should stop trying to figure it out because it's just like, the more we try to figure it out, the further it takes us away from what it is, right? And in the end, it's like, just... Um, it, no, tr well, tr uh, truth is evolutionary. Like, uh, uh, quantum mechanics uh, brilliantly showed that relative to Newtonian mechanics. And um, there's so much we still don't understand, like we described. And I think truth, truth is a moving target. Um, I, think, I think the pursuit of truth is noble. But the claim that truth is, um, I that you found truth is very, you know, deceitful. Um, well, but truth I suppose is in yourself, yeah. right? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, no worries, no worries. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I said, okay, truth about the universe. You know, the truth, truth, well, truth of yourself. Yeah, you could, you could define that. That that is evolutionary, similar way. But of the universe, it depends if you believe the universe exists outside of ourselves, right? It might be worth noting at this point that I'm coming down from like a, a pretty substantial mushroom experience as we speak. Like, <laughs> well, that is brilliant. It, it, it might give you some context as to the nature of what I'm thinking about right now. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but it, I mean, this is the type of thing that I miss, though. You know, these type of conversations. I do, this is what I think when we when you asked me when I wake up. Um, what am I feeling? What am I thinking about? I'm so immersed in my work life that these conversations are sorely missing in my life. And I get them when I, in my friends group, maybe once a week or uh, if I'm lucky. Um, which is very different, of course, to when we were in college and in high school. 100%. So man, that's means. why it's so hype. And I have this, you know, like we yeah. sort of created this world where we, we sit and just talk about anything without like the beauty is that there's no intention about it. We're not trying to achieve anything other than to just to be in that same space together at the same time and maybe find some sort of common ground in that respect. And because like who's to say that our intention, who's to say that we know what we need? Who's to say that like we're following? Oh, this is a good idea. Our goals are based on projections. Right. Yeah. And I can tell you being inside this is like it feels like you're a you're an explorer, you're an adventurer inside your own mind. And you just think there's an endless amount of corridors and doors to open that just kind of get you to think like, man, we're trying to affect the real world every day. But Jesus, like the, the fucking world that exists inside the mind. There's a lot to take in, you know? Yes. Yes, actually. Uh, yeah, I've, I've thought a lot about this, actually. The whole concept of meditation, of consciousness, of unlocking those pathways in your brain that are just simply not stimulated when you go about your day. Whatsoever. Like At the work all. life that we've created is so disconnected from our reality, from our nature. Like, you know, you're, 
the three of us, we are beings of nature, right? You know, like our bodies, we have physical, natural bodies that were created through millions and millions of years of evolution. Of like, there's a reason why you're looking at a little flame of a candle is something so, it connects to your soul because all of your ancestors did that every night of their life, looking at a fire, you know? It's just the last couple of us are sitting, uh, like, looking at screens, you know? And there's a reason. I think people are growing extremely disconnected. We haven't even had one generation live through, like, this type of digital reality yet. Like, it's clearly one thing that I think mankind is trying, and then we're going to say, eh, not really what we're after, right? In mm. the scale of things, it just seems like... <laughs> we're, actually, we're, actually combat <laughs> we're, we're actually combating, like, on multiple fronts what you just described. Because it's not just the fact that our ways of communicating, our ways of interacting, uh, wh where we derive value, all these things are definitely like 180 degrees transformed. But the other aspect, I think, is also philosophically, we're just different. We're, we've never been like this as human beings. Um, you know, uh, like the, the, I think a really nice uh, phrase that illustrates it is uh, actually by Friedrich Nietzsche as well, which is, you know, God is dead. Uh, not in the sense of an atheist nature, but more in the sense that for thousands, for, well, 2,000 years, uh, the majority of the Western world, at least, and also the Middle East uh, and uh, Near, Near East world, uh, had a very particular way of thinking about life, about death, about spirituality. And we've now reached a point where we've broken down all those concepts using pure like uh, uh, logic and deduction and physics and maths and whatever. Uh, and we may have reinterpreted some of it, but we've certainly deviated from what was the case before. And I think, uh, I think that itself is very unsettling, like um, uh, to think about. And I think it's part of the reason why at least I see a massive generational divide uh, yeah. He he said it in speaking specifically about the Abrahamic God, and the context is that, um, you know, we have we have reached such a high level of science that Christianity is just plain illogical. So therefore, if Christianity is illogical, then how can you still believe in the same God that Christianity describes? I think and then, definitely. But you, but you, but you pin your Sorry. morality on that God, right? So you suddenly your moral moral framework is is out of the window as well. And exactly, yeah. that's it. Our whole reality used to be based on the same principles. Everyone existed on the same wavelength in some sense, and that's what kept us in harmony. And that's sort of what you could argue that forget about the nature of each individual religion we 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 craft religion to so that we can get on the same wavelength together that's how we create harmony harmony like there's a reason these words seem to echo the same language we use in music you know because music is almost like why why do we hear harmony why does it sound good to our ears things like because there are waves you know there are certain waves that people are trying to reach when the music is loud enough i'm sure you've all been at a nightclub when the music is loud enough and everybody's dancing to the exact same rhythm and step you feel super connected to everybody around you mm. yeah synchronized synchronized 
Exactly, and that's religion was a is a path to synchronicity, and so mm. that's kind of what we that was kind of the process of what Nietzsche was saying is that when you lose that, everybody's in free fall now. Everyone is trying to find their own god. Yeah, and 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 it's a it's a very steep hill. Uh, well, sorry, steep fall uh, towards nihilism. You know, because um, if you don't, if you if you if you have lost the way to derive a moral framework, uh, how do you behave? How do you justify how you behave? How do you justify how other people behave? Um, and and I, there's a lot of struggle in that, I think. And compound that with just the new way we communicate with each other and the new way we, we share information. And like, I mean, no wonder we're so disconnected. And so Well, so we're always trying to come up with solutions. Like, we're all trying to come up with solutions, right? Like, we're trying to think, what's the way to solve this problem? When I really think the only solution is to reverse for a second, to take a step back and to think, wait a minute, there's things that you and I intrinsically agree. We intrinsically feel good when you give, right? You feel good when you give to somebody. It's just like it's in you. It's a, you, you can not deny that this is a real feeling within you. And it kind of gets you to think, well, what are the things that we evolved to do together? What are the things that... And that, because that's where we derive, derive our moral substance, about the things that clearly were beneficial to us as a species, not as an individual. And so you think like the Indians, American Indians or Native Americans, whatever you like to call them, they're the ones who figured it out, you know? <laughs> like they figured it out for many, many years. And there's this sort of constant, well, I was reading, um, Leslie gave me this book, Civilized to Death, and there was a really interesting point that, you know, and Columbus noted this as well, it's that, and this is constantly noted from anthropologists near and far, that when introduced, when you give these tribes people a feeling of civilization, they can't wait to go back. <laughs> they, like, this thing that we think is the better existence, they want to, like, they will reject it at all costs because they look at our entire lives as totally, totally void of any kind of meaning. Any kind of meaning. And so, like, imagine growing up in an Indian sort of tribe where you're raised by everybody and you have wisdom around you. You know, you have the elder who will give you wisdom. You know, like they say, the, the poorest man of the tribe is, is the, the elder because he's the person who, gives, who has to give to everybody, right? Isn't that, in some sense, we, we have it backwards that actually our leaders are the richest. Our leaders are the ones that take the most from us, not the ones that give the most to us. And that doesn't make any sense to me. It's, it's backwards. And it's, so greed isn't like we've essentially created a world where we built things in reverse backwards to what they actually should be and that's why it feels so disconnected i think and so you think, I think okay, let's just I, turn it around yeah sorry i think i think i know i i i totally concur but at the same time i do feel like there's an issue here because um in these type of i mean i mean okay do you think that this type of existence can exi can occur at a truly grand scale? Like I'm talking about, you know, global, or or do you think it has to happen in pockets? And the reason I'm asking this is because if if you're gonna build these type of societies in pockets, right? Uh, my concern is these pockets are gonna follow a framework, uh, and you've seen these type of frameworks in hunter-gatherer societies, like in documented, like some of their traditions, some of their practices, 
in Native American societies as well, in ancient, you know, even Arab Bedouin societies. They, their frameworks are, they, they maintain order and they maintain this relative life of meaning, but I think they constrain freedom, you know, uh, because you can't deviate. Uh, and if you deviate, it's actually, it's traumatic. Yeah, because, because you, you threaten the eco ecosystem. So that the consequence is is huge, and and I feel, I feel like, what civilization may be offered, is is is, freedom, or at least more freedom, individual freedom, but then of course you can you can argue that, maybe we overvalue individual freedom. That's exactly it, man. I feel like you've hit the root, right? Isn't that it? Like we've created. And I was talking to Sohaib about this just a little earlier. This exact idea that, you know, now with Netflix and Spotify and everything that's on demand, we are the ones who are free to choose our own reality with nothing being chosen for us but our own judgment leading the way, our own rational, sound judgment leading the path through this life. And for some reason, as rational and as sound as all my decisions seem to feel, sometimes I think I wish... I had an elder who was next to me who could just guide me through this experience of living, you know? I wish there was someone who, I could, who would look at me and say, this is the wisdom that you need in this moment. Because we choose it for ourselves. We, we have to teach it to ourselves with YouTube and whatever. We're just trying to figure out the answers. We read books and watch videos. But sometimes you just want to be... You know what? I should probably answer the question you were saying. I see it in pockets. But I also don't think... I don't pretend to believe that I can change the world order. You know, I don't think, I don't, I don't, I can't think at that level because it's one that's doomed for of yeah, yeah, problems of dealing with scale, right? I think scale as such has been the problem for human beings to affect things at large scale. That's, I have a bit of a problem with the King's Academy um, value of global citizenship as such. Like maybe, maybe if we tur turned it to like earthly citizenship, you know, the idea of like being a citizen of this planet as opposed to a citizen of like, Global citizenship says, like, oh, let me be a citizen for people that are far away. And no human race, like, no collective of humans, if you go back just a, a hundred years at least, and then everything from, like, 30 years before us to the beginning of time, people were concerned with their immediate world around them. That was the world. That's the only world that mattered. And now suddenly I have to bear the entire planet on my shoulders? Yeah, it's very, it's very disorienting. But exactly, I, I, w w w you you say that though, and I, I I'm getting flashbacks. You know, when when you're saying that, of meeting insanely fascinating people from across the world, and you lose that, don't you? If you, if 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 society is limited that way, like I'll give you a really good example. In college, um, I became good friends with this guy named Badchen, who was Mon from Mongolia. And, I mean, like, we couldn't be more far off. I mean, <laughs> I mean there's, there's absolutely no way. And uh, we connected, you know, we connected and we became good friends. But he was lost um, at, at, in college. I remember he was lost. And now, and now I see him, like, uh, I see him... Has, he has he's grown to be an incredible person um, and 
that relationship and that influence and the way he maybe changed my perspective in some things. Do you think that would be possible? And like, in if if you're, cons well, not concerned, but you're just exposed, let's say, to your immediate environment. I think it's undeniable, right, man, that life is yeah. so much richer when you can meet people who have who have a type of experience that is foreign to you, like it, their entire sensory stimuli, their the. The world order, exactly. Like meeting a Chinese person is essentially meeting an alien, as far as our world order is concerned. Except for the fact that we're, we still have the ba same basic like uh, similarities. We're still the same species. You know, we we still need to go to the toilet. We still want like a, we still enjoy social company. We have the basic like evolutionary characteristics of the same species. But culturally, if that's how we draw differences, yeah, there's so much you can learn. And in the end, it comes like I use this Costa Rica example as like a a constant example to try and demonstrate uh, what life could we leave but really the life you live is inside your mind right y your reality is the reality that you choose to see and in the end as long as you can sort of create a reality where you're satisfied and happy with your interactions on a daily basis and you're happy with how you connect to other human beings and you hope you don't cause much harm to the planet and to the people around you like in the end I feel like it's a, it's a, it's much simpler than we've made it to be. You know, we can't affect these things on a large scale. It's on a person to person to person scale of just trying to set up with the values that we were born to have. You know, mm. like I watched Jim Carrey talk about. Sorry. Cool. I mean, I, I actually, I actually, uh, I'm really glad I had this conversation because uh, I think part of me needed to hear this. Uh, so, yeah, so kudos. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to our everyday, man. Like, this is, Burhan, you got to join us more often, man. This is like, this is what we do. Well, I mean, it's, it's lockdown. Sure. So, um, by all means, like, uh, you know, it's, it's, I can't think of a better way to talk. You just say stop <laughs> exactly man this is it like i noticed this right now throughout this trip that i was having it's that idea that i needed every like video that i put on like if i was putting some like nature ambience or something i needed to put on loop mode because the sense that things stop and it, as soon as something stopped it was very foreign to me it's like what do you mean it stops like so can someone explain to me what stopping is no like, th there's no such thing if you're in the jungle nothing stops Nothing right? stops. It doesn't stop, man. Like, it's just about yeah. how we see it. <laughs> yeah, nothing stops. Like, totally. I realize this is why we're so into GIF images, man. Like, at least for me, I'm like, it's this... <laughs> you, suddenly you're looking at something that, that disconnects you from time. You know, like, it's just you get to experience it infinitely. You, mm -hmm. And you just look at it until you're satisfied with the experience. <laughs> I haven't myself. I have not. I'm not sure, man. It'd be so disorienting. Well, v v virtual reality is that, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, when we were in uh, Virginia, Sohaib Adil and myself and Leslie were there, and we um, we met a guy called. 
well, a couple, Craig and Kathleen, they hosted us. And Craig, beside the fact that we connected on deep spiritual levels, he sort of cited this idea that, you know, every photo you, that you create and any video that you film sort of creates a ghost of whatever it was in that moment. And I realized that, and looking back at our footage, is that, you know, Sohaib's filmed, for example, Sohaib filmed a, a dinner, and it was a funny clip, but it was like six minutes of Sohaib expressing himself through the camera. But I can watch that infinitely. And I can interpret it through every lens and through everything. And it sort of makes you realize that there's, there's so much within every single moment of our experience to understand that we shouldn't even try to understand it at all. <laughs> because we will never. Like the, the, the degree to which you can zoom in to anything, absolutely anything, like to a microscopic level, makes me think that, you know what, maybe the only real truth is to think, hey, let's just be. And in this case, being is enjoying the journey of thinking about these things with your friends. Because I don't need to think about this on my own. I want to think about it with my friends because it's a way of just being together in the room and like enjoying each other's being on the wavelength together, you know? Mm. It's, it's, yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's it. I just want to hang out. That's it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm I, so I, tired. I, I, I think it relates to like uh, creation and recording, you know? I feel because, uh, I mean, you might not, might, you will never be capable of understanding, like you said, uh, a fleeting moment. But um, I think I think it's one of the reasons why I've I've always been so um, fascinated and and actually enthralled by by uh, art of in it all its forms. You know, uh, not just like the classical visual arts uh, or even videos, but even like um, you know. Uh, virtual reality, video games, it's all of, of us as humans recording experiences or, rec or trying to create environments or experiences um, that we can dive into, that we can at our own pace um, try to interpret. Uh, whereas a fleeting moment, you have no t there's no time to interpret it. There's never time to interpret it. I think uh, one of the realizations that you've now you've kind of brought me on to that I had a couple hours ago was that idea that life, our lives are purely what it is that we direct our attention towards, you know? And that's kind of why the, like, the placebo effect, for example, is very interesting to me, where you direct your attention toward thinking that you're healing in some sense and you can heal, right? Even if you ha don't have the so-called substance in your body that's doing the healing. And scientists simply have to accept, like, have accepted this. That's why they call it the placebo. It's where you direct your attention. And I, I think a lot of humans create incredible experiences, but there are so many now, so many like man-made experiences that can accentuate the process of life. And nobody, and the problem that we have is that our attention seems to be commanded from every direction. And I think we've, we're having trouble contending with this fact. And what I'm enjoying about this podcast, about the way we use it, is that I sit here and I close my eyes and my intention, my attention is in the moment that we are. I'm not looking at anything else. You know, I'm not talking to anybody else. And I think it's important to try and focus our attention. That's what mindfulness is, right? Just focusing mm. your attention on whatever it is that you're doing. And in the end, it enriches everything. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's the other side of the coin, isn't it? Like, um, completely the other side. And it's uh, something we're deprived of, I think, for sure. Well, uh, it makes sense. Come on, man. Yeah. Every time Especially you pick up a book. Especially in this lockdown. 
Especially in this lockdown, like I think it's a big. It's I think I think it's something probably a lot of people are struggling with. There's so much content everyone's consuming, but in a way, it's to fill to fill a void that. Uh, that is that we're not, we're not. Uh, our 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 normal lives are not worth much, at the moment. It feels like. <laughs> Man, I feel like we're, we're we're really onto something here with this this Discord stuff because what I'm exactly what you mentioned, Burhan, this idea of the connection, how effortless it is to to enter the room, especially with those who've experienced King's Academy together. But now, ten years down the line, we've all lived. You know, we've had ten years under our belt of like figuring things out for ourselves. Is that isn't this the moment to touch base and to sort of get back into the rhythm of just imagine you have a group like where it's you have a discord where it's so bustling and so active that at any given moment there's 12 people on it you know mm. at all hours of the day and it's constantly fluctuating and it's one of these things that clearly we all desperately need just that feeling of laughing and being in the same space we can't be physically together right now but people are yes. like and i think it's really important to to not do video calls there's something about the <laughs> at least the nature of looking at yourself on a screen or looking at mm -hmm. a screen to begin with like right now i can close my eyes man and I can talk to you guys in the same way I would if you were sitting next to me. But as soon as I have to look at you through the screen, it's like this. It's aware that there, that's the thing that sits between everybody. This, this thing that's disconnected us from reality. Self-consciousness, I think. I feel that. Like, I agree with uh, that. Totally. Like, uh, way, way more than if I'm in your presence. If I'm sitting with Completely. you, I might... Yeah, if I'm sitting with you... For the first five minutes, I might be self-conscious, right? About, I don't know, what I'm wearing or uh, what I'm saying. But then as soon as we sync up, right? That's it. We're, we're kind of connected mind to mind. But that's in it, a man. video, Yeah. In a video call, though, in a video call, you're always looking at yourself. You're always looking always. at yourself. Yeah. Always. Always. <laughs> Nightmare. <laughs> like you, you can turn it off on Zoom, but it's still like, it's still there, you know? You're, mm. when, when do you sit with your friends with a mirror? And like, if I'm looking at Sohaib and I put a mirror right next to him, like, how often do I have a social interaction like that? Like, the whole oh, that's point horrible. Of your Imagine. Listen, the whole point of your friends is that your friend is a mirror to you, you know? Mm. That's the point of a relationship. That's the point of any interaction. Everybody is a mirror, except the fact that, like, if you have a physical mirror, you're using your own interpretation to interpret yourself. You know, and it's so much more interesting to see, like, Fa'ar is looking at me currently, you know? And I'm thinking, like, he is receiving... I realize this in my relationship with Lessie. It's that my relationship for the last seven years has been with Lessie. And her relationship has been with me, <laughs> you know? And so it's, like, it's a fundamentally different perspective. Like, <laughs> exactly. It's, like... Yeah. And it's one of those like it's simple that seems to be a self-evident truth that I kind of reached, which has allowed me to feel like a fairly universal sense of value. And I articulated this once to Adam. It's like, look, when you when we all kind of shit on ourselves over like whether or not we consider ourselves to have value, and like oh you know insecurity, insecurity, problem, problem, problem. And I think I had this realization happen when I was talking to Thaer at the time, and I thought, well, wait a minute, Thaer. I said, Thaer, do you like me? Do you think I'm a good person? And I said, I think you're a good person. And then I had to accept two, tr two truths. One is that Thaer says I'm a good person. The other, that I trust his judgment. 
Hmm. And so simply by that truth, it means that, wait a minute, all these things that we can inflate in ourselves and tell ourselves all like, oh, I'm greedy, I'm selfish, I have I'm this problem, that problem, I'm too fat. I'm like all these things that you say to yourself. I'm like, look, trust your friends and be the person your friends see, you know? Like live up to whatever expectation, high expectation you hope your friends have of you. And if you all do that within the company of your friends, God, so much better than this like depression, anxiety universe, like continuum we've created where everything is about, like depression is a form of selfishness. Like at least I think the, the institution of depression and anxiety is a form of selfishness because it's all like, let's look at ourselves, let's look at ourselves, something, something wrong with ourselves. I think uh, uh, it's actually like if, if someone lives their life and the way you just described in terms of like thinking of themselves in what they believe their friends think of them, it absolutely crushes uh, being self-conscious and, and anxious. It absolutely crushes it. Um, it makes it seem pointless. It makes it seem yeah, meaningless for, to sort of obsess because, over because these things. Who, yeah, because who cares what you think of yourself as long as your friends like you, right? Who cares? Exactly. Um, who cares? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. exactly it, man. <laughs> Wow. It's also, I, we have charity of friendship, right? Like we, uh, if you look at your friend and you think your friend's kind of doing things that you, you don't love that he's doing certain things, but you still love him because a lot of friends are, are unconditional. I, I, this is this deep realization I had just a couple hours ago. It's like Adel at the end of every conversation says, I love you guys. And for some reason, Sohaib and I have trouble saying it back. Why do I have trouble saying it back? If like, if what we have for Adel is not love, what is it? You know, mm -hmm. don't we have love for our close friends? Or is love only a word that we reserve in a certain way that's reserved to this, like, it just feels like something that ought to be expressed more often and something, mm. like, there's, it seems way simpler. All of this, these issues that we've created for ourselves seem way simpler than they need to be. At least I rather look at them that way. I rather, people have always told me I oversimplify things, I idealize things. But the truth is, in my life, things have gone pretty well. Like things of like everything that I imagined I wanted has happened exactly as I hoped, and it never was very difficult either. And it's, it's privilege is one hundred percent a part of it. I recognize that things have been easy because there's like, what can I do about what I look like? You know, what can I do about the passports that I was given? It's absolutely within the currency of our world. These are privileges. You know, but in the end, I feel like I've, I've lost my plot now. <laughs> I think you got you guys get to where you understand where I'm going with this, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, in a way, uh, if you want to get that reassurance from your friends to crush that anxiety, to crush that self consciousness, you have to offer it as well. So I think, in a way, I, I totally get what you're saying because, you know, by Adil saying he loves you guys, he makes you uh, think about whether you, you know, to, to about expressing it as well. And, and I think that, um, um, you know, and when you do express it to him as a 
positive reaction to him expressing it, it probably crushes his anxiety uh, of whether or not he's adequate to his friends or adequate enough in this world, you know? Um, Man, I feel like you've hit the, like, that's it. I feel like that's the, the secret right there. You know, <laughs> we, we ask ourselves, are we worthy of receiving this love? But maybe we ought to ask ourselves, am I worthy of giving? You know, and I, we ought to give love to people. And I think that's the type of, what, the more love you give, the easier it becomes to receive as well, I think. Right? Yeah. And you begin to understand that it's this relation that our, our forebears, our forefathers and foremothers sort of created. That's how, that's the world we created, right? Just cooperation and being together we're social creatures we're supposed to be together you know why do we feel great when we're like on the same wavelength with our close friends you know why does that feel great mm. somebody explain that to me you know other than just like well you're wired to do it you're wired to have a great time with your friends <laughs> and if you're wired why don't we follow our nature you know why don't we do the thing that nature is telling us anyway mm. I think I think um I think it's to do with family in a bit, in a way, because, you know, there's this whole cliche where, you know, there's the family that you're born with and then the family that you choose, right? And um, the, what, 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 what uh, differentiates for me a familiar relationship is unconditional love. But, um, for example, I've had many people who were very cynical when I was growing up who constantly compelled me to never be too vulnerable with people because uh, that opens me up to be hurt, right? Um, and to so to avoid being hurt, avoid being vulnerable, avoid expressing that type of interest in people or or uh, love love for people. But I think once you bring someone into your family, into that circle of yours that is unconditional, then then um, those boundaries you can cut them off and. And actually be vulnerable. Um, Super interesting. I, I think, yeah. I mean, because I, I, I had people who were extremely influential in my life yeah, who literally told me in middle school, like, uh, you know, do not call someone unless they call you. Something like this, you know, which is completely contradictory to what we're talking about. And I was just thinking about why would they say that to me? You know, why would they say Because what you're saying is making total sense thinking why would they say that and I think it's because they have an inherent uh, distrust in people who are not part of their family you know or close net friends. man this is like a Pandora's box that you're opening because like, <laughs> we all come from a type of culture where clearly the culture seemed to be imploding upon itself when we when we were born into it you know, there's there's that Bedouinness that we all sort of are born from of that simple generosity, simple like you take you are human, therefore I take care of you. You know, I give you food, I give you clothing, I give you comfort. That's how we. But on the other hand, it's that it's that sense that in the Arab world we're we're constantly trying to perform for each other. You know, mm. and don't masculinity especially like the two of you probably shared the received the exact same messaging from your fathers as i did from mine when it came to the notion of weakness and if it's not from your fathers it was from the environments around us mm. and i think weakness is another word for well, as you said vulnerability 
it's plasticity of the mind, right? Children have a very plastic mind that allows them to be able to receive their circumstances. Like, why is it that a four-year-old seems to not have a directed conscious, but a, a pan-consciousness? You know, that they don't have to be looking at you to hear what you're saying. They're kind of, they receive everything at once. And so vulnerability is about allowing ourselves to be plastic. And the process of becoming adult is to make your mind rigid, essentially, by learning through your experiences. Oh, this makes me vulnerable. This hurts me. This doesn't. This does. This doesn't. This is how we protect ourselves. But it's also how we close our minds to, to new experiences and close our minds to ourselves, I think. And to meaningful relationships. That's exactly it. So yeah, I think like, you have a good job, Burhan, right? Like, you, so I, you know, you got a job. Let's get a couple friends. Let's just buy a property, you know. Let's let's start a new life, new culture in Costa Rica, where the weather's always good, you know, something like that. <laughs> Tropical, bountiful nature, you know. I think it'll be a beautiful life. I have a trouble accepting. Why can't this be? Like, why does this have to be something that's not possible? It doesn't make sense to me. It, like, but the way you spin it, like. It, if I will a business into reality, I can make it happen, right? I can make a business a reality. So why can't this be the reality? Like, we can make this happen. <laughs> we, we, can, we can establish a, a tradition. That's something we can do. I mean, what you're talking about is insanely ambitious. <laughs> but I don't know, but, man. Like, how ambitious is it? To, like, other people want to well, change the world suddenly. Like, I don't want to change the world. I just want, like, one property with a couple plants and my friends to be there. That's all I want. <laughs> No, but I'm saying a tradition that could emulate what you're saying. And I actually think I would, I would be totally game for this. And I'll, say, I'll be the first one to say it, is uh, make it like an like a annual or a kind of thing where me for me. We, just, I agree. we just escape. We escape from our worlds and we, we create an environment like you described. And we just sign off with people we know and who we can trust to be in that environment with. Uh, Done. Yalla. Now we've we've planted the seed. <laughs> now we need to let's let's give it to a time, and and we'll, we'll you know we are the the founders of this tradition, but we're of course open to people offering their ideas because like as soon as you add like Raja and and God knows and Zach and Akawi and Jude and everyone will have good ideas that we'd want to hear that we want them to add to our culture, you know, and in yeah. the end it's like no phones. The, the point is we turn, turn off the coronavirus at this doorstep. You know, it doesn't exist. Like, it's simply yeah. let's live as human beings together and turn everything else off. I did this yeah. actually with, I have, I have a couple childhood friends I do this with once, almost once a year. Six of us, uh, now it's been two years now, we, we went to like Finland. And for six days, all we did was fishing, sauna, and barbecue. And that's it. I'm oh. making music. <laughs> what, a day. Like just what a life. <laughs> that sounds insanely, uh, I should say, just. It's too short. Uh, reconstructive. Man. Recon recon reconstructive, man. I feel like that is. You know, when, we, when they give you 25 days of holiday in a year, like for me, that would be the best way to spend them, where, where you literally. Like, how else are you supposed to restart? How are you supposed to dissociate i had a similar trip to uh, portugal uh october was it 2018 um and where i just i just went to oh, i forget the name now you know uh, in lisbon they've got the specific genre of music um 
it's in Porto. It, Fado. Yes, yes. Is it Fado? Like, yes. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's uh, inspired by nostalgia, you know, and uh, great emotion. And uh, I just I just went for like three for three nights or four nights uh, with a group of friends from, from the U.S. We just went to the same place every single night and just listened to that and just... Wow! You know, and and Beautiful, completely released. It was it was amazing. Um, and it never lasts long enough, right? Of course, because not. you end every day on a euphoric haze of, if only this could last forever. You know for a fact that even if it gets a little bit boring here and there, King's Academy was never boring for us. We would like we yeah. wish we wish it would last forever. That idea of being together, and it makes me think like, the only thing that it takes is a group of people to decide that this is their priority, right? It's the same thing I say about relationships. Like any relationship will function if both people want to be in it. Yeah, 100%. And, and I actually, <laughs> the, the amazing how tables have spun, like I now tell this to my dad, you know, I tell him, because he has, you know, my dad is uh, now in his late 50s and, uh, you know, he... He, he can he can easily he very easily resents people who don't maintain contact with him or uh, something like that. So I I always tell him now that you know look uh, we have finite amount of time in our day and we have finite amount of time in in life. And if you value someone, if you really miss someone and you love someone, mm. um, um, you know, express it and initiate it and. Um, there's a reason why you love them anyway, or you value them. It's probably because they value you back, you know. And uh, you, I think you mentioned that that reciprocity, it just comes, it comes with it. Um, but like you said, you need to, you need to want to be in it, and you need to get li get rid of your ego, that 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 stupid voice in your head that says, um, you know, I'm maybe. Like that person should be contacting me or something like that. nonsense like uh, yeah, this. Yeah, I'm I'm better. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm, I'm the one who who should be contacted, or I'm the one who people yes. should pursue. Why should I pursue people? I mean, I think that we, the three of us, can agree that whenever you're in a moment like this, you feel like this is exactly how you'd like how you're enjoying spending your time. You you couldn't mm. describe a better way to spend some time. At least I couldn't, right? I couldn't. I don't think a roller coaster or whatever other experience will give, will feed me the same energy that I get being with my friends. And so this little Costa Rica dream I had was sort of realized in a sort of version where we took Sohaib with us for the last few months of our project where like, yes, okay, it was professional where we we're working together, but really we were just hanging out the whole time. <laughs> we're just having fun. <laughs> we were just hang we're smoking weed every day. And it was just like <laughs> just enjoying awesome. life. And for the first three weeks Adel was with us too. And it was beautiful. It was so beautiful being at the same place together, man, cooking together and just walking together and living together. And the hosts, of course, were like real they guided us through this whole experience. Adel was desperate to have that. By the way, I still think we need to go back there. Boran, you should come because like if when it comes to being able to be prepared for whatever life is going to throw at us, these people could teach us, you know, this is a guy who hunts, oh, he hunts deer with a bow and arrow and he cooks it like a French chef, you oh. know, and he's a, and he's a carpenter, oh. which is clearly a profession fit for Jesus Christ. Like, you know, he <laughs> wow. Yeah. 
No, man. Uh, you know, tr- Trump is, is gone now. So I can finally apply for an American visa. <laughs> there we go. Inshallah. You're no. right. Beautiful. Yeah, no, no, but no, you know, the uh, beautiful thing, man, these people, yeah. you wouldn't like, if I were to describe them to you, yeah. off the bat, you'd say, okay, they've never left the country. They have a lot of guns. They have very alternative political beliefs. And they're from America, they Virginia. In the middle of nowhere. So uh, off yeah. the bat, my sort of knee-jerk reaction would say, oh, "What the hell do I have to like contact these people?" Yet I honestly thought they were two of the most beautiful souls I've ever met. And it sort of opened to me to realize that all the labels that we determine they were other people's value are completely irrelevant to who they are. Completely mm. irrelevant. Of course, of course, uh, I, you know, I, 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 my family. It's been a massive topic, obviously, like also in the UK, it's a massive topic. The left versus the right, conservatism versus liberalism, the far left, the far right. And uh, increasingly, you know, you feel like people want to position themselves in either aisle. You know, I've got uncles who, uh, on my mom's side, who are becoming more conservative, well, according to the family, as days go by, and then on the other side, you've got the people who are, are far left, and um, I think uh, it's a massive failure of maybe our generation, or maybe not even our generation, of of the social media world. It's a massive. I think we we are neglecting the nuance completely, and uh, we're neglecting uh, the value of 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 human experience when it's so different than ours. Um, like the immediate, yeah, you're right. The immediate reaction of someone living in the America rural world with guns and everything is obviously, oh, they must be super antagonistic against anyone else. Was the worth of having that relationship? But like, for example, I remember going on trips down to South Carolina and down to Florida uh, and meeting those people. And I mean, to be totally honest with you, like I, I felt so loved by them far more than i ever felt loved in massachusetts you know exactly um yeah man it's you know in some it's impossible i think this is what we all kind of lead to is that we come from a culture that has a lot of things that we simply object right like we i think the world that we have are born from has a lot of things that are irreconcilable at least and as much as we try to change them with our uncles and grandfathers and family like it's an institution and it's there to stay, right? Whether or not we like it. And because it makes me think, like, if we, if we develop this commune, we'd have to, because, you, you know, we're King's Academy graduates, you know, we'd have to be crafty about how it's presented to people. You know, we'd have, like, an Instagram face where it looks like we actually have a company, you know, oh that God. we're doing productive <laughs> things. And so we put pictures every now and then that just seems like we tell a story, spit a whole story about all this productive stuff that's happening, but it's just a front. It's 100% a front, and we're all participating in it as if it's a front, but enjoying creating that front. I think it'd be so funny every day, just, like, put <laughs> on a suit, safe, yeah. you know, put on a suit, Burhan sitting there, just, like, you he's shaking someone's hand like it's a business meeting then his whole family's satisfied <laughs> in the image of their video. of their nephew you know oh but han is being successful in the meantime we're like we're living life because the last thing we want is them to say oh we're hippies you know we, we don't want their like judgment upon us because we we feel that weight that's a real weight that we feel like of what do our you, families are thinking do you feel do you, do you feel that those shackles 
I, less so than most people, I think, because yeah. I think my family is pretty open, but I think that a lot of people feel this, you know? I think a lot of people... Uh, so, Haib, you must, you must feel this a lot, right? Yes, yes, no, yes, yes, very much so. From my extended family more than I've, my, but my I, nuclear, but still, yeah. Hmm. I mean, I think... I mean, I'm sure there's judgment. I'm sure. But... Uh, maybe it's the fact that so so I'm I'm in a unique position living in London, you know, because well at least unique relative to my experience because when I was uh, in King's Academy I was away and I was able to be totally myself. College I was away I was being able to be totally myself, and then I moved to London where my family is literally twenty minutes away from my flat, and uh, suddenly there is there is that you know there there is that observer. Uh, and mm. initially I did feel a lot of uh, resistance but now um, now I feel like I don't know I, I wouldn't say I've broken the shackles but maybe I've uh, completely stopped caring because I feel like I don't know otherwise uh, you would be shackled you're right yeah, man, you're right yeah, the shackles yeah. are self-imposed in some sense you're yeah. right like and uh Yes, exactly. Because um, I, I did feel, I, I felt a massive change, you know, from being in college to, to suddenly living close to home and uh, close to my family, sorry. And, and suddenly I felt like, I felt very trapped, to be honest. Um, but now I, f I feel, probably in the last year, actually, last two years, I feel like actually people are giving me the respect of respecting my views. Which, by the way, I think it's to do with the fact that I have a job and I'm relatively doing well. <laughs> mm. I think when I didn't have one, they were like they felt that they had the right to impose mm. themselves on me. <laughs> so that's this is so this is where the we justify the, the need for a, a successful front, you know, yes. so that anything you say, anything you, is justified against that. <laughs> it's like here, I'm doing well. Like by your standards, I'm doing well. Therefore, yeah. any, anything I'm doing is fine. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but you know something about Discord. I don't know. Have you guys ever read the the Ender series? Ender Shadow, Ender's Game. I, I uh, haven't no. at all. I think so. Hi, uh, aren't you going into this stuff? No. Uh, so Arson Scott Card, one of my favorite childhood authors. I mean, now it's probably a very easy read. Uh, so hey, but or or maybe I, I haven't read it actually again since I read it. I, I last time I read it probably is first year of university. I reread the the Ender Shadow book. But the reason I bring it up is because, uh, you know, the protagonist of the story, uh, well, in the end, so Ender's Shadow and Ender's Series were two books written that follow the same exact time period. But one is from Ender's perspective, which is Ender's, uh, Ender is the main character, and the Ender's Shadow is from the perspective of mm. his, uh, you know, friend, basically, his best friend. Mm. So, um, uh, and... I mean, that's part of the reason why I love it, is because of the way the narrative is written. Uh, but I actually was more in love with the and the Shadow series, so with a supporting character's story rather than the protagonist story. But in that story, it's, it tries to talk about, you know, it's a science fiction book trying to predict what would happen in the future. It was written in a time where there was no, like, internet or internet was very limited. And one of the things I was so fascinated about um, was... Um, Ender and Bean, the two characters, assuming um, uh, online um, personas. And the book would write 
paragraphs and paragraphs about their conversations on forums, right? On closed forums. And I always felt like I missed the boat with Reddit or, or, or I never truly understood how to participate in Reddit in a way that's meaningful. So when I discovered Discord, this is one of the reasons why I love, I, I really, I really enjoying using it is because I feel I'm getting a lot of similar vibes that I got when I was reading that book. Uh, it's a platform I feel like that does a really good job of creating these isolated environments where you can communicate about what you're interested in, and uh, uh, I, I I really like it. So I think I think. It's, Fantastically cool to know that you guys have a channel here. So I mean, I do you use this on a, on a do you use this on a personal level? Or do you go do you go into like some uh, specific interests and groups, of you know interest groups, so participate in those? I'll be honest. The the first exposure I had was when you guys created Good Times. I don't know who created it, but someone created it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that was the first time. I, I, yeah, I had heard about Discord, but I hadn't used it. And then I saw that, and I was like. Okay, so it's just another chat app, you know? And then okay. um, I got into some gaming forums on Discord. Mm. Uh, I just really love how they've created the channels and like the subcategories and uh, how it pings you. And you can, it's, the customization is fantastic. And aesthetic, I really like the aesthetic. But now, most recently, I've been using it because I'm trying my best to get a PS5. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so, it's so difficult, isn't it? Oh, it's crazy. It's ba I've, basically, it's been like <laughs> my pet project for the last three days. And <laughs> completely unsuccessful. Unfortunately. The hunt. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You guys yeah. spurred a thought for me. I thought, like, what if, what if we all experienced the same thing and then we sat down at the same time to write about it and then we all read the way we experienced it? Because I begin to realize lately that in the, if I did mushrooms at Lessie a couple of weeks ago, and from the outside, it's young male, young female, two chairs facing sit outside facing a mountain for seven hours. That's just what it looks like. But inside my head, the entire experience is like, it looks <laughs> contextualized throughout whoever it is that I am and everything that I interpret throughout my lens of interpretation and then my lens of expression, right? My writing. So it's like, what if? You have a bunch of friends, you experience something together, and then you all write about it, and then you just see, like, what did it look like in Burhan's head? You know? I want to hear that. I want to hear the same that sounds exact like thing. A, but, like, how you uh, reflect on that it. That sounds like a t tutorial, uh, which was a, I don't know, in my, in my undergrad, it was the most incredible thing. And it's probably the, the single intellectual pursuit that I missed the most. Um, and it was exactly framed, by the way, Rob, the way you described. We would, two people would be sitting down with a professor, meeting once a week. Each person would get a text. Uh, sorry, uh, we'd both read the text, like for that week, reading. And then one person would write an essay about it. Then three days before the, you know, uh, our meeting, our weekly meeting or me weekly class, let's say, they would send the essay to their tutorial partner and the tutorial partner would take the essay critique it and then they would meet together and they would half the class would be spent him reading first his essay i'd be reading the critique of his essay and then the other half would be spent discussing uh so and i think that's exactly what you've described um i mean i would be so down for that 
uh, <laughs> partly partly because I actually don't wow. don't write enough. Like I I work in a f field right now where I don't write at all except for communicating with people, and it's something I wow. dearly miss. Oh, Burhan, I miss your voice, man. No, that's the, like your, your your written voice. You have a very special one, very special. Habibi. So you well, must return to that. In the end, man, what's special? Like, it's just, is it connected to whoever it is a person is, yes, right? It, and it, for the me, one, the one thing I would change about what you described for the tutorial is that I would, for me personally, I would do away with the critique. You know, because in the sense that the exercise is entirely about just expression with no value. Expression mm. without any sense that it needs that's, to be anything. That's, that's pers persuasive writing versus creative writing, right? It's just the form, I guess. Yeah. Of what, how they, where they write it. No, and I, and I like that because it's actually, I mean, the tutorials are meant to be very, very intense, you know, because, yeah. of, because of that interaction. Because you know you're going to be judged by a peer and by a professor on a weekly basis, it actually puts you, it's very stressful. It's a very stressful type of course to take so i think you release all that stress if you actually make it about pure expression you're right man in the end writing is a form of releasing stress i think mm -hmm. it's like because we we all have racing minds these days we some people call it adhd but really what it is is just a, a mind that's is being asked of everything like everything is asking for your attention when you're reading a book it's like the problem with we have with committing to a book is that there's 50 other books that we want to be reading yes. in that exact same moment and that's so the present moment has to sort of be pulled from every direction and yeah. so somehow we have to figure out like i found at least in myself it's sort of like mind opened if i'm looking at my notebook as we speak and i have 145 pages written over the last four weeks and it's just like of god knows what's in here but it's out of my brain and I suddenly feel oh. myself growing 300% times the speed that I've ever grown in, a, in the most wholesome way I've ever grown in my life. You know, it's not about new information. It's about taking everything that's in my head and putting it somewhere <laughs> so that I don't have to, like, put more stuff in my head for a second. Very astute point, man. Like, uh, I spend more time researching what I want to read and what I want to watch and what I want to consume than actually doing the activity. I, I mean, like, isn't that true? Isn't yeah, and it's, it's such a days? relieving and experience. It's, and it's actually, it's, it's not even close. Like, <laughs> I probably spend by a magnitude of maybe two or oh, three the times. Ratio. Yeah, the ratio is insane. <laughs> <laughs> Man, but, well, you know, it, <laughs> but for you to choose, for you not to choose what to watch, it's really, it just takes off this humongous burden off of you. And you get, you start to appreciate it from ground zero. You have no impression of it whatsoever. And therefore, everything that you see, you will try to make it as beautiful as you, as you want it to be. Because you, this is what you have to watch, or this is what you have, you know? Yeah, but, you know, we're, we're, got, we're, you know? but, but we're not trained like this at all. We're not, the, the world yeah. around us does not make us think this way. Because when, I, <laughs> when, I am, when I'm uh, about to consume something, and I know, for example, it's rated badly, you know, I know. <laughs> You're gonna say, "Oh, yeah, this is bad because this is bad." Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, so I immediately pass judgment on it, and I actually, I actually don't want to enjoy it because if I enjoy <laughs> it, I'm. Do I have less intellect? Compared because yes. someone more, no, man, more, no, more it's the opposite than me. Is <laughs> okay, you know, I'll share with you my perspective on okay. the exact same thing that you're describing. 
It's that there yeah. are some, for example, why is it that in, because I'm listening to musical albums right now, why is it that the tracks that I enjoy the most have the least plays? And I realize that they're the hardest to enjoy because they take your full attention. And I think when you see people giving bad reviews, it can be of any mixture of things. One of which is that it's an item of poor quality. Another of which is that it's simply not that consumable, not easily to consume. And so it's difficult for me to use a bad rating as a, as a point of judgment by which I can like, determine something. You know, because mm. it's clear that just it's somebody's perspective on it. Like, yes, sometimes I do read reviews and it's clear based on how somebody wrote about it that like the nature of what I'm about to look at. I watched a movie on Netflix the other day. At least I, I was conscious for about 15 minutes of it called The <laughs> Dig. <laughs> and uh, it was probably yeah. the worst thing I've seen in my life when it came <laughs> to when it, just in like in there wasn't a redeemable part about it, nothing like from every department it was yeah. like a failure on every department uh, and i'm talking as a professional here and the fascinating yeah. thing is that I'm, I'm with leslie and her family and they're like yeah it's fine it's pretty good it's all right <laughs> and so for like the, the non-discerning eye they don't see this thing that i thought was an abject failure and it made me sort of re recalibrate like wait a minute like is my standard just like in the end what you look at is through the lens of your own standard it's not reality. Mm. It's just what you think is good. What you think is not. Uh, exactly. And I actually Sorry, think I actually think these aggregated rating websites are contributing to this problem. You know, because yeah. that what agree, they're I doing, agree. they were doing is that what's most common rises to the top. It is what's most common interest. The nuance, uh, the particularities that might be interested interesting to a particular niche of society, completely get dismissed in these aggregated uh, ratings. That's exactly it, man. We, we miss the mm. sort of fact that I, Rob, say to Burhan, yo, you should watch this video because I like you as a friend and I think you would enjoy this. It's so you're missing, like, we're replacing that with algorithms. Yeah. Well, I have a, Based on conversations and connections that we've girlfriend. had before. She just brought me hummus and... <laughs> my <fresh laughs> oh. oh, my God. Exactly the thing she knows I want. <laughs> Thank you, Leslie. It's beautiful. As I'm watching that, that video, uh, at least it's it's seems to be compatible with with my senses right now. So I sent me this video the other day, which somehow we ended up watching the whole thing together in real time, and it's just like the view of a satellite orbiting Earth. Oh, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> and it's, it's very low stimulation, but at the same time very therapeutic. Hmm. Like it's how Doesn't low of stimulation is it to see like the northern lights from the perspective of a satellite? Like <laughs> this is like low stimulation for us. <laughs> low stimulation for us. <laughs> it's just like if that doesn't mean like the pinnacle of sta of stimulation, then what is? If this is considered low stimulation for me? Oh yeah, man, we're so, we're, we're so uh, we're drowned. We're drowned in in overstimulation, are we? Like. Um, um, I mean, I mean, but I'm just thinking so much right now about how much potential stuff I have dismissed because of this subconscious way of determining what's valuable and what's worthy of my time and what's not. It's hard to judge, right? Because you sort yeah. of the only way of know if something was worthy of your time is to have experienced it and then decided after the fact. And we're trying <laughs> to like. The whole point of this review thing is that there's 10 million things trying to vie for our attention and we hope that it's a filter by which it allows us to determine the right things because otherwise you feel like you'll waste your time, right? Yeah. 
And this is a yeah. never-ending thing. So in some sense, because, of, because we accept that's a truth, that's a truth that will be, no matter what, there's a million things that want our attention. The only thing we can do is have conviction of what we poured our attention towards, just to mm. feel like this is where I am now. And yes, it was a disastrously shit movie, but I can tell you that my experience of watching it and open mind to it, it taught me about myself as a filmmaker. What I like, what I don't like. Mm. And so it's like, I think this fact of the review system has oriented our entire world to a like or not like sort of dichotomy. That's the only thing yes. that exists. We like it or we don't like it. But value Those is derived from many ways that are Facebook, way beyond yeah. liking and not liking. Yeah. That's the problem with reviews. It's like, oh, did I like the movie? It doesn't matter if you like it. Did it mean something to you? Did it, did it do something to you? You know? Even yeah, if you hated um, it. I, I, I feel like a lot of people don't want to admit, or I don't know if it's that they don't want to admit uh, being stimulated in that way, or they don't, they maybe are not wired. I don't want to sound condescending to the people I'm describing, but like... Um, you know, I, I get very emotional. I get very emotional when I watch some... Uh, 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 some I mean, actually, I'm generally... I've, I get very emotional if I watch something that is remotely perceived as emotional. <laughs> I, 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 like, like, it doesn't take much for me to feel emotional is what I'm trying to say. And uh, I find, especially in my family, they always, they always make fun of me about this. But in a way, uh, I don't know. Because I think it goes to what you're saying. Like... Uh, I want, I try my best to derive meaning from especially works of great art. Like I actually make an effort when I'm watching it is like to think about it in a very deep critical way because I know, if I know it's a brilliant piece of work, I allow it to influence me as a brilliant piece of work. Um, I see what you mean. Meti I very much meticulous, see what you mean. meticulous art needs meticulous observation, right? It's just, you have to give it what it is given to you or it is trying to give to you. Mm. but it does leave me with a pretty interesting question which the movie Inside Lewin Davis asks pretty well is like is all great is the only great art that we constitute as great the one that was successful considered successful by, by people right it makes me think of the millions of writers no. that wrote no. transcendental things that were just from a different universe that simply were not discovered right there's an endless universe of amount of pieces of writing and work that just music that's why I've been like addicted to every noise. This is a website Tohaib and I found, which maps seven and a half, all seven and a half thousand musical genres on one page that is like algorithmically arranged. And within each one, you can click it, listen to it, and you can click into it and see like the 150 artists that are associated with that genre. Wow. It's fascinating. And that's why currently I'm listening to an album that has a thousand listens. It's called The Spiritual Flute of White Feather, The Sacred Pipe. And it's an American Indian guy that's just blowing into a pipe. And it's, it's fucking great. I, I, want access. <laughs> I want access to this. Everynoise.com. 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 Great. And travel. Yeah, I mean, like, commit, to, commit to a genre that you choose. Like, it's, this is going to give you samples. And we have the tendency of like, sitting on the... Like, oh, trying 30 seconds here, 30 seconds there. But I found, like, find one that's interesting. L look at the name that it's giving you. On desktop, it shows you the name if you put your mouse over it. And go into Spotify and listen to that album. You know, and just, like, be transported to music of culture as opposed to music of commerce. Oh, I love this. I love this. I'm looking at it right now. This is, this is exactly what I need. 
because <laughs> I, I I used to I used to discover music on SoundCloud, um, which took a lot of effort and time and stuff that I a commodity I don't have right now. So I I tend to rely heavily on lists like now to find music that I can enjoy. Um, you know, right before you got on the call, so Hybe and I were talking about the concept of intention. Like everything around us is built with intention. Our entire universe, our entire reality, was somebody's intention to create it. This table that you're sitting at, you know, the chair that you're sitting at, the floor, the building, it was built with intention. But nature itself has no intention. And that's kind of what I like about algorithms like this one, is that somehow it mimics nature in the sense that it said, here's everything. Here's everything. It's, I'm, I'm not trying to tell you what it is. I'm just trying to like make it intelligible for you. That's it. In terms of where it's sort of relative to each other. That's what the algorithm does for every noise. The rest is mm. on you. No one telling you, you should listen to this. These are the best tracks. It's not been chewed for you yet. You know, you mm. choose. <laughs> you choose what you want to eat. Yeah. And, and, you know, just going back to the uh, question or, you know, what you were saying about whether or not art derives its value from the audience, let's say, right? I think there's a paradox there because how can you possibly create art in the first place? Right, because when 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 an artist creates art, especially when he creates art that is revolutionary, or genre defining, defining, they're creating it without an audience in mind, uh, because it's because they they doesn't there doesn't exist an audience yet, you know, um, so I think uh, art must be removed from the audience, uh, and in a way, I suppose. Um, Maybe the best pieces of work are the ones that connect to most human beings as possible. But the fact that a lot of human beings have connected with it doesn't prove that it's capable of connecting with other human beings, if that makes sense. Man, this is a really interesting thought that you're presenting. Man, because like, yeah, we, I think we <laughs> put the word mainstream on things, but in some sense what you could say is that there's some art that somehow hits at the deep vein that makes us all human, right? Why is it that certain things we all like it? It's not, I don't like Hotel California because you told me to like it. You know, it's just like we all kind of like it. You know, <laughs> same thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> like what's wrong with that? You know, <laughs> like we can overthink these things sometimes. Like, I can tell you my well, best about, writing that I've ever done. Well, at least for myself, personally, because what you're describing is exactly my life currently. The best writing I've ever done was the writing that I vowed to not show to anybody. You know, because I, I was trying to explore this idea that every word you write with the idea that there's an audience corrupts your own form of expression. Yes, because because you're you, you want to you're actually scared to really express what you think because uh, you, you know that you'll be criticized if you have an audience, no matter what. There's going to be someone who's passing judgment, and so that prevents you from truly expressing yourself. See, but at the same time, I, f I can see it from the other other side of that coin. Like, well, if it's inevitable that you'll receive criticism, then what's stopping you from actually just expressing yourself normally? Like, because look, you can express yourself to please the crowd or you can express yourself truthfully. Both ways are going to draw criticism. So you may as well do it, like express yourself honestly. Mm -hmm. But I think that probably is a realization that takes, is, is, is after... You've mat you've matured enough in writing. Much deliberation, yeah. Yeah. Or if yeah, you've done like, some mushrooms. 
Yes. <laughs> or that. Or anything that basically uh, inhi- uh, removes your inhibitions. Yeah. Reframes things. Of, yeah. That's all it is. It's just reframing. That's like, honestly, this is the second time I do mushrooms. It's not an enjoyable experience as such. It's not like mind-altering drug like weed or alcohol or MDMA where like, you're enjoying the experience. It's not an enjoyable experience. It's a reframing experience. It's a recontextualizing experience. And it can be difficult. That's why some a, people have so-called bad trips. Wow. It's just like, it's, it's about looking at the way you look at things and realize that the way you look at things is the problem. <laughs> and yeah. then that's why some people walk out and they're not depressed anymore. Because they realize that their depression is just the way they look at things. Fascinating, isn't that incredible? Wow. And, and it makes it's total so sense to some people. It seems so it's simple. So simple. Like I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm really enjoying dumbing it down. Let's make it simple. Like people have this tendency. No, it's complicated. Life is complicated. Like, well, what if it's not? You know, George Carlin said it perfectly. Like, what's too com- What's so complicated? You go to work. You come back. You have three. What was it? You eat three meals a day. You take one good shit. You go to. You go to the job. You sleep and try again. Like that's that's life. You know. I have to put his exact yeah. quote because he said it beautifully. Like, it's not that complicated. It isn't. It doesn't have to be. Hmm. Um, I, I did acid in college. And oh, yeah? Yeah. And I definitely had a similar, like, um, well, my perspective definitely shifted. But what I want to say is that uh, I immediately realized that I have to... Um, when, okay, while I was on it, I uh, actually towards the end of it, uh, the end of the experience, I immediately like kind of instructed my mind, record this experience, do not forget this, because um, it's such a unique experience and it is, uh, and you are placed in a different frame, but you have to remember that 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 experience is finite, and uh, you will your your mind has a very large possibility of of rolling back to what your previous framework is. Um, so I think, I think that's probably the, like if the most benefit you can garner from that type of experience is only if you make sure you remember it and you, that's it, man, you figured yeah. it out. You clearly figured out the answer. It seems that whenever I look at people who talk about these types of substances, they say, look, you're stepping into a world that's going to give you a whole bunch of perspective, but the only way it's going to give you real value, like, of course, there's so many ways it brings you value. But if you want to get the most out of it, you have to try and find that thing. And then for the rest of your life, channel it through meditation. Hmm. You know, oh, that's the I thing. See. It's that's what well, they, that say. they like, say. Like revisit it through meditation because that's what you're finding. It's like I was at some point look, waiting for the experience to end, to be honest. Like it was getting a little bit like I get it. You know, like it's it's a little intense right now. The music wasn't right. I dropped the candle. Glass was everywhere. I'm like, you know what, okay, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not functional now. And I'm, my, my skin looks extremely weird. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> I was just in that place where it kind of made me think, like, look, I, I, I feel like I've t- gotten a lot of lessons, man. Like, I've come out on the other side, and now we meditate. And I've been doing some of the Wim Hof breathing stuff, and it's like it's better than any weed I've ever smoked in my life. It's just like, I don't know if you have ever done breath okay, work or such like this. Yeah, man, it's like a, it's deeper than high. It's can't even describe it. Like you're in your body suddenly, you're inside it, you know, as opposed to outside it. We're always trying to like find a way to, to give something to it as opposed to find it w- from within. You know, I've always wanted to um, like start 
adding meditation into my life but there's something that's stopping me and i haven't figured it out there's something to be honest man i'm like you just like you i'm i'm at the very beginning and so i might be starting we're we're just at the very beginning of this so mm. what we could say is join us on this you know yeah mm. i i've done it twice in my life that's that's the degree mm. to which i've added meditation but it's like the cool thing with this particular meditation is it's kind of rock and roll you know it's not like slow you're you breathe it's om- it's called hypoventilation like you're breathing fast <gasps> and you do that for like 30 40 breaths and then you breathe out and you you hold your breath and before you realize it, you left the planet and then i i looked at the clock i held my breath for three minutes i didn't realize that i was no uh, i was on a different planet man and each time you do it every time you go from like a state of total stress in your body to total relaxation but it's a, it's a self-induced stress so it doesn't feel stressful but it's like the the way it was expressed in the book that i read it's like it's a way of taking your nervous system and teaching it teaching it like all the different uh, fluctuations so that when it actually faces real stress it bends rather than breaks hmm. it's just giving itself flexibility giving your training your mind for flexibility and that's i think where this meditation comes from yeah it's not yeah. just sitting there doing nothing you feel like power in your body what a way to start the day wim hof breathing man i, ha- I have his 10-week course i can send it to you it's like you don't have to do the freezing cold showers i'm doing it because i love it but I used to do a lot bad. of freezing cold showers in college. I think I think though maybe part of it is that I'm a bit scared of my of where I'll go. <laughs> I actually I think it's I natural think man. Yeah, like for example I uh, I don't like um I don't like total silence before I go to sleep. There is that like before I sleep I have to distract my mind. Uh, I'm like you. Mm. But so what well, do you do? Shut it off. How, how do you distract your mind? Well, you put TV uh, on. Uh, over time, many things. Uh, reading, until I fall asleep. Music, uh, usually lullaby music. To be honest. Uh, nice. Yeah, and then, and uh, when when it's when I'm truly struggling. It's uh, TV, yeah. I've got like a particular mm. show that is my sleeping show. <laughs> What's the show? Oh, you, you won't believe it. What's the show? What's the show? <laughs> I feel like it's, uh, wait, it's Shababik or what is it called? <laughs> oh, that one, uh, Mariah. No, no, no. No, it's going to be no, like low I... culture, low, th- low thought, an animated yeah. show probably, right? Is well, it like Family uh, Guy or Simpsons or something? No, no, it's it's uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> Dude, man, oh, man, there's nothing nothing shameful, man. So Hype and I are big and sunny. We love sunny, man. <laughs> yeah, but like I mean, the vulgarity I'm I'm going to sleep yeah. with. It's... Dude, I could. No, it's hilarious. I, but I... <laughs> I love sunny, man. So I, I yeah, showed so Hype the sunny that I see, because you know what sunny is? It's three guys who are actors. Who created just like one like handy cam scene of one guy getting cancer yeah. and Dennis saying uh, shit I'm gonna walk out from now and they show that to a studio and they said let's make a season out of this mm-hmm. and so suddenly with this simple rule that they have total creative freedom and they do whatever the fuck they want so it's just them writing for themselves and so it, yeah. it goes it goes crazy if there's no yeah. intention other than them just saying fuck let's have a good time let's just yes. mess around yeah exactly and uh, you can s- definitely see it in the first season. Uh, it's most apparent, you know, in the first season. I agree. 
I agree. Yeah. And then Danny DeVito comes in, but to be uh, honest, like it, it stays good. I mean, oh it yeah, it just stays oh, yeah. good. Oh yeah. I mean, Danny DeVito is a gem. He's an absolute gem. I love him so much. Yeah, man. But but no, that's that's yeah, that's my show. I know I know every episode. Like by now, it's like. <laughs> man, I love like, it because I'm the yeah. same. I'm exactly the same. I can I could almost quote them. It's nice <laughs> yeah. to hear, man. Yeah. <laughs> this is crazy. Oh, and, the, and the other one is Archer. Archer's the other show. Yeah, I've I've, tri- uh. I've watched like five seasons. I never sort of got hooked in a way that I watched it more than once, but it's cool vibe. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's mental. I mean, uh, I I need I need something that outrageous to truly laugh now. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like uh, <laughs> overstimulation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It has to be insanely outrageous for me to. Like, well, reality is so funny up. these days that like we've become desensitized yeah. to how funny it all is. Like I, I realized that in like a shining, crystallizing moment just a couple hours ago, I was like, "Wait a minute! Why don't we laugh about this stuff? Why do we take shit so seriously?" <laughs> it's just like, like we're all living anyway. When you read about hunter-gatherer tribes, all day, every day, they're laughing. All day, that's just how they live life. Because their expectation is calibrated to like life is going to be shit and then it's going to be good, then it's going to be shit, then it's going to be good. But we laugh about it the whole time. Yeah. That's just their experience. And you think, what? Like, oh shit, something goes wrong. Let's be sad. Let's all be sad. Honestly, man, if I die, I want, I want loud music. I don't want people. I want laughter. I would really be sad if my funeral is like sad people. Yeah. Because what's I mean, the point then? What's the point? <laughs> it's part of why I love Norse mythology. You know, uh, I don't know wh- how I dived into wow. Norse mythology, but I did like, I mean, two, three years ago, I just read everything I could possibly read on it. And it's Fuck because man, Sarah should be on this. <laughs> a good friend of ours. She loves okay. Norse mythology. Yeah, it's because it's because like they, uh, you know, it, they have very. Their life for them is so fleeting that just like you described, uh, th- that is precisely why they enjoy every moment. Even in death, they are laughing and uh, and and parading, mm. you know. In every moment, they're laughing and parading. Um, Man, and I feel that it, on a deep spiritual level. Sorry, go on. I mean, if you compare it to Greek mythology, you know, Greek mythology is full of um, drama, uh, uh, a betrayal, uh, uh, sadness, you know, yeah. sadness, yeah. Uh, cr- cruelty, right? But cruelty. North massage the North squads, uh, they're the most cruel person in. Well, the the villain usually, in Norse mythology is uh, oh no, how can I, f- how's it fleeting? Uh, the name, his name, what's his name? Loki, Loki, right? So, lo- yes. but, but he's also a jokester. He's also like every Norse, I mean, the way they describe it, every Norse kid, they love Loki, even though he's the one who brings the end of the world because he's just so chaotic and so fun and so hilarious. And all the stories, he just, uh, he's just a f- funny, f- funny guy, basically. Um, it's beautiful though, isn't it? Just yeah. somebody who can laugh at everything. Like this yeah. is definitely this sort of capacity that we've lost and like we built our society based on what the Greeks told us. <laughs> and it's kind of miserable if you think of it. Just like the the set of values 
that we think are human values that are actually just given to us by a bunch of people who decided that this were what human values were. I can tell yeah. you, again, a couple hours ago, I felt an experience where I, f I, I saw what it looked like to watch myself die, but in a, in a way that just felt like I'm lying down and it's the most natural thing on the planet. You know, you, you feel like your body is just a... There were billions of years where you didn't exist. And there will be billions after, you know? And there's that little blip in between. And that's, and that's why we call the podcast, You're Alive Now. You know? That's what we are right now. This is... We're currently, currently alive. And I, 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 didn't, I think I that's didn't the whole point of mushrooms. Like it shows you Sorry, that you can live rather than fearing death, you know? I think uh, who 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 words it really nicely? Uh, Sam Harris, um, Sam Harris. words it really nicely. Yeah, he says um, that you know we didn't exist for millennia, and we're not going to exist for millennia. If well, millennia sorry, too small of a number. Billions of years, I mean, and um, so we're actually very lucky right now in our existence, and. No, norm normality is no life so like we are right now living in an exceptional circumstance in at least our perception of the universe mm. that's and, exactly and that's actually that's why I actually really love the stop of thinking you know and it's so foreign to Abrahamic thought you know so foreign um, because uh, you know, in 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 Abrahamic religions, especially, this this life is a test. You know, and I find this that concept so so defeating and so decadent. You're completely right, man. And our entire worldview is built on a zeitgeist and a and a set of principles that were oriented around the Abrahamic view of the world. And it takes a lot to step out of that, you know, because in order to find the other thing, we first have to step out of this one. And that takes a considerable amount of effort and energy and attention and resource to be able to direct your attention elsewhere. Yeah. But and, and it's possible. And yeah, it's possible. But, it <laughs> yeah. but it's, it's crazy. Uh, it's very disorienting, I think. Very disorienting. I think uh, um, I was in a way lucky because uh, I, just from my personal experience, um, you know, before the Syrian war, I had, I suppose, uh, gone through an identity crisis, which is when I was come to terms with these like axioms that I didn't necessarily agree with in our, my culture. And uh, so I was already feeling the my ground being pulled away from beneath my feet. Uh, you know, from those conversations I would be having with Thayer, for example, in 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 the in the dorms there, um, and so when the Syrian war happened and uh, the Syrian identity started to truly shake, I almost I feel I mean although I did I feel like I did go through a tough time, but in a way I was mentally a bit prepared for it because I had already experienced this type of identity crisis, you know. Sure, you've gone through a whole host of things where other people wouldn't be able to understand what kind of identity crisis, like wouldn't even be able to scratch the surface of what you have to contend with in the modern time of what it means to be Syrian. 
Like I, I imagine you yeah. must have had to sort of detach your identity from any kind of national identity to oh, try yeah. and exactly. figure out who is Burhan. Exactly. You know, you had to become. Exactly. You had to become yourself. And it was you that to, was, yeah, yeah. That was very different than the Burhan was was in Kings. Burhan who was in Kings was extremely proud of being Syrian, and held the Syrian state probably and Syrian nationality and identity at the highest esteem. I mean, Burhan, you're 27 now. Are you the next Yusuf al-Azma yet? <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> of course, man. <laughs> wow. <Did it> happen? <laughs> wow. It's been 10 it, years. It, well, it shows, it shows that that's, that that's a shift of perspective I'm talking about. Of course. Like, exactly. can, like growing up as that being my goal or dream, and then realizing that all of it was was artificial and nonsense um it was very it shaked me it shaked me to the core um um yeah i mean now now it's i yeah I, yeah i don't in fact I, I i do sometimes get start feeling in that way when i get a bit nostalgic but um especially like recently i i, I don't want to feel that way because i know it's um, like I said, I know it's artificial. Um, and yet, it's still your per- your past and your truth. Well, truth is I, truth is a subjective word. Yeah, it's, it's your definitely truth. your past. That's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, I, I used to describe when I first went to college. I used to described it very simply. I said like I had the only spine I left in my identity was the Syrianness of me. I I'd let go of my religion. Well, in a, in many ways, at least. I had let go of, uh, well, I, I deviated from my family very a lot as well. So the only thing that felt tied me to an identity I shared with my people was that I'm Syrian or my Syrianness. But then I re- later, I redefined what it means to be Syrian, right? And, um, and that was part of the journey, I guess, to get to a new sense of uh, identity and a new sense of truth, basically. So I, like. Mm. It's you know it it sounds to me that you've got your feet on the ground in a way that you might not have had ten years ago. Like it seems like you found something there. At least there's definitely a a process of finding it that you're clearly mm. on that track. You know, other people yeah. they look lost, and we 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 recognize when people look lost immediately because it just seems like there's no orientation to their soul. You know. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know yet what direction it is, but in a way that doesn't really matter to me as much anymore. It's as long as uh, I suppose, like for example, now I mean, I when I was growing up, I I distinctly remember wanting to become a leader in Syria. For example, I distinctly remember as that being a concrete goal of mine, like one day becoming a minister or some type of. Uh, the history books of Syria's history, modern history, whatever. Um, but the influence I was referring to before is completely different. Um, you know, now I'm, I'm, for example, it's more about sharing, maybe maybe helping people evolve. I think that's that's more than anything. It's just helping people evolve away from that way of thinking. So you want to be a shaman. <laughs> a curator of, of experience 
you know, exactly. okay, I'll, I'll, art- I'll articulate one way that I really hope I can do that. Uh, I have found that in Syria's modern history, and this applies probably to Jordan and other Arab worlds, there's a great emphasis on uh, our history of, you know, from from 1 AD till today, or from 600 AD till today, or even from Semites till today. But there's very little that we learn, or very little that we allow ourselves to be influenced by our ancient civilizations, you know? Which I think I in many ways were way more... <laughs> I don't know. You're way so right, more, man. Yeah. Um, this is exactly where I am. Yeah. Same yeah. place as you then. Like, at least spiritually. <laughs> kind of, that's, that's where this breathing exercise comes from. It's like, wait a minute. If a particular set of Buddhists have passed down this type of breathing exercise as their secret for the last, like, thousand generations, there weren't even Buddhists at, at that point. It was just humans. And you think, well, clearly they knew something if this was the thing that they passed along. There must along. be something. <laughs> like, like who is my, who, who's my judgment in this equation? You know? Like... It's human knowledge and wisdom that's sort of tantamount that is sort of multiplied over generations. You think, let's yeah. listen to that. Yeah, and, and think about how much, like, okay, a good example in, uh, in Jordan is just think about how society has drifted from Petra, you know? Oh my God, man. Like, Petra is a jewel in Jordan, but nobody tries to connect to the culture that existed that caused Petra to exist nobody connects to that nobody exactly whatever that means you know if it's uh, creativity right. or uh, resource management you know all these stuff man this is interesting because in some the sense wisdom. Like, like Jordanian identity Jordan was founded in like what the 50s yeah <laughs> like yeah, that was yesterday <laughs> it's like wh- what do we have like know? before our grandparents were born or after us no our yeah. grandparents were like our age <laughs> when yeah. jordan started so it's yeah. like yeah what exactly. what do we have in terms of deep roots to, to that claim like if not the better to be jordanian and so that's mm. why like yeah. china for example seems super interesting because they have they can clearly trace a straight line back thousands of years within the same organized set of like way of thinking and I get it, communism and politics have caused a big issue for them. But, you know, regardless of all of that, they're connected to an ancient history. And mm. why don't we look at this stuff? Like, we being of children of, like, the cradle of... Maybe, maybe, maybe we shouldn't... Like, it, it's for, it puts us in this sort of... Um, also, yes. Under a lot of pressure. Right? Uh, yeah, under a lot of pressure. And also makes us feel superior. I totally get that. 100%. But, uh, but there's a there's an I think there's an immense vacuum. Uh, I really do. And like one of the ways that I hope one day to like I mean one of the things I'd love to do. I mean, if if I have the resources, but like to uh, to to have an institute, an artistic institute, maybe in the Levant, that actually patrons exactly that type of art that that takes from the you know what we've buried so deep. Uh, brings it back to the surface and like exposes people to it because I mean I went to Syrian schools like in uh, you know government schools when I was I was probably till the age of 12 and I witnessed it like I witnessed how much they suppressed those civilizations in in favor for 
like the more modern civilizations um man there's so much like sumerians are the yeah if you think of sumeria or mesopotamia these are our ancestors yeah. you know this yeah, is not something exactly. in a history book these are our ancestors yeah. Exactly. Like, <laughs> it's like we're so disconnected from these things that we have had. We are the same people. Yeah. We're the same people. Exactly the same people. Yeah. We give it a different name. Exactly. That's the only difference. The Akkadians, the Sumerians, the Assyrians, the Ugarit. Uh, so many names. Yeah, Ugarit. The fir- like the people who first wrote musical notation, Ugarit, and then, Ugh. and then guess what? A thousand fifteen hundred years later, they banned most <laughs> musical notation. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, there's. Yeah, so I think. Yeah, go. Sorry, th- th- that's the identity that I would like to salvage, basically. Um, yeah, I was gonna say that, like, this is why I've, I have no issue saying on the record. about exploration with things like mushrooms because i realized that the the value system that says no is a value system that's like 60 years old max and it's clearly doesn't know doesn't know best you know like the value system we have has led us to where we are now clearly it doesn't know best it's not the best way right the indians Mm. american indians native americans they had a value system that lasted with them like in a way that clearly it did know best. Like I have this passage sitting in my hands currently as we speak. It's like they were trying to transport a bunch of uh, these Americans to the reservation. And I'm gonna read to you just like a couple sentences from this guy's called Ten Bears. This is in 1867 and he's the Comanche chief. And he says, and this is his sort of plea to keep, to essentially keep things how they were. He says, I was born, or said, there are things which you have said to me which I do not like. They were not sweet like sugar, but bitter like gourds. You said that you wanted to put us upon a reservation, to build us houses and to make us medicine lodges. I do not want them. I was born on the prairie where the wind blew free, and there was nothing to break the light of the sun. I was born where there were no enclosures and where everything drew a free breath. I want to die there, and not within walls. I know every stream and every wood between the Rio Grande and the Arkansas. I have hunted and lived over in that country. I lived like my fathers before me, and like them, I lived happily. Yeah. This one, this one passage, it's, man, has moved me to uh, tears every time I read uh, it. It's beautiful, and uh, it actually reminds me of a very particular uh, passage of Sapiens where, where they say, like, you know, hunters and gatherers were truly one with nature, you know? They had relationships with different species, ways that they benefited and ways they um, they gave to, 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 to the ecosystem as well. And then in a matter of less than, I think, what's it, like, you know, the, the, the change was so dramatic in a matter of like less than, I think, a thousand years, suddenly you had agricultural societies were having a mouse or an animal in your house was a disaster and you did everything you possible to kill it like think about how we are so antagonistic against any intrusion into our personal space like you're completely right kill an ant kill a mosquito kill a fly kill kill the mouse yeah like i define my property and i refuse to allow any other living being inside whereas in that other world 
they were they literally lived side by side with every living being it makes you realize that you know what there is a path there is a path it's not that complicated we just have to turn our attention to the people who had it figured out right why do we have to try and think that the burden of figuring it out is on our shoulders because our world is so different no our world's not different it just happens to be that we've created a set of things that disconnect us from the reality that's in front of us there is a path and there are people who knew how to live with this path and i think it's important to find a way to orient that like the spiritual flute that i'm listening to right now i i haven't received an answer yet but i i wrote the guy he's called white feather <laughs> and i said please teach me some wisdom <laughs> it's just like how can i be of value <laughs> to you but i would love to learn from you like give me something you know he said this guy said like he didn't learn to play this flute it just he channels it <laughs> and he had it confirmed from like the the village elder he just channels it he channels the spirits and i think dude i want whatever this guy is on like i want to be part of this sort of culture and this tradition of being connected together with nature you know i look at my parents and I, I think, you know, my dad has sort of imprisoned himself with these 50 horses where he can't leave because he's responsible for all these living beings. But my dad, his work is about an hour and a half every day. He spends five hours doing it because he's just sitting there without saying a word, communicating with these animals. You know, it's just like the man, the Arab man who's lived his whole life as a pilot is trudging through the mud and just communicating with animals and seeing them and they see him and there's a real understanding that these animals have with him and it's really something beautiful to see and all it takes is turning your ear to it turning your attention to it getting on that frequency it takes a little bit of warm-up to get into any frequency we found that right it just takes a little bit of like time before you can't just suddenly turn it on turn on the music and suddenly your mood is in that place it takes a little bit of building for everything we do to get into mm. that frequency yeah. We have to do mushrooms together. <laughs> That's all I can <laughs> conclude. Or Conclusion of the day. I, to be honest, I just want to be in the same room with everybody. Like, I want to be in the same space. That's all that matters to me. And it seems like that's, that's what's important in life. And I feel like if I build it, they will come. I really feel this way. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, keeping that in mind, when making major decisions in life, I think it's definitely, definitely important. You know, we we can easily be swayed by, um, you know, superficial things and material things, but uh, you know, it's like we we forget that happiness is hugely derived by the people around you. You know exactly it's an immediate everyday thing it's not a it's a not an esoteric concept that exists in the future like i feel happy when i talk to my friends mm. God, wouldn't it be great if because in some sense i feel like th we put such burdens on ourselves to raise our children correctly and we essentially over make it over theorize and over intellectualize the entire process and it makes me think like what if we all lived in one compound one playground together and everybody raised each other's kids the kids were raised like the kid has 10 fathers. The kid has Burhan, the kid has Ta'ar, Adil, Suhaib, Rab, whatever. Each man, each woman to give a different perspective on what it means to be human rather than your one fallible sort of limited father or mother. 
Yeah. It just seems like it's not. That's not the way. It doesn't seem. It doesn't make sense. This nuclear family. It's not. It can't be the way. Why is it that you? We all have to grow up and contend with like shit. You know, I gotta contend with my upbringing, figure it all out, and only then can I. It seems a little bit like. Maybe all this work is not a necessary part of. I don't know, man. They went on vision quests, you know, the Indians. That's what they would do with their youth. They would send them on vision quests. They, they just like spend a couple days, do some peyote alone in a teepee, and then come out and you're just like, you get it. Khalas, you understand. Anyhow, how are you guys feeling? I mean, I'm, I'm so happy that I joined in on this. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let me guys let me know like when um when you're online i mean you i'm, I'm gonna be online on discord now every evening i don't care because <laughs> because uh listen i'll i'll invite you to the server it's we, we it's whatever so yeah. it's it's really just whatever cool. culturally cool. speaking the tradition that we're making is if you see people who are in the you're alive rec channel just hit record and jump in and like it doesn't matter like it's absolutely welcome at all times Whoever oh. is in it, it doesn't matter. Oh, by the way, so what, what's the idea behind... So, uh, Saib, so you asked me to record on a separate device as well as um, while we were chatting. Yes. So what was the? So what am I supposed to do with this file? <laughs> That's well, on my we'll, phone we'll, right now. We'll just give you a Google Drive uh, folder just to drop it in and I kind of like process it. Like we make this oh, okay. as a podcast so that we can sort okay. of... To be honest, the whole point of it is so that people make it a priority because suddenly it feels like you're you're doing something when you're doing a podcast. It's not like mm -hmm. you're just talking. It's a it's a way to trick our minds into feeling like this is a worthwhile way of spending time for the people who are still like caught up in this whole continuum of feeling that they need to use their time or put it to an account, you know, as yeah, opposed to yeah. just enjoying yeah. yourself with and your friends. Yeah, and yeah. like uh, also also it's it's the idea of talking to you through this medium. It's a medium from which we express our ideas right. so if yeah so it's it's uh, just completely different framework of thinking uh, of, of interacting with each other which I, which i find and i think all of us find very 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 valuable and i yeah, don't no, expect sure. anybody to listen to it i actually i would rather nobody does but <laughs> i have this one <laughs> one girl from from deerfield who uh, i've really connected with she's a current student at deerfield and she's like i showed her the podcast and she said she's listened to every episode and episode five was her favorite so far <laughs> So clearly, she it's actually like, listens to this. And clearly, there's some value to other people. Oh like, my God. <laughs> I didn't know this. I didn't know this. Oh well, you know God. what she described is that wow. what, what feels profound is that it feels like very close friends who are in the room together, being friends with each other. You know, it's something that you never hear. It's like, oh, today I've got Jeremy X Y. Let's talk about your interesting thing that you do in this planet. <laughs> man, and it's I, a very different domain. Man, I need to know this feedback, man. Old friends who love each other, who want to be in the same room and laugh together, mm. and just wow. Ah, it's pl splendid. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I I have to say, like, uh, it def definitely puts you in the right frame of mind because you <laughs> you immediately come in and you're like, oh, okay, uh, I'm gonna try and contribute in a meaningful way <laughs> <laughs> because because uh, when, when you talk to You're someone right, man. yeah because when i pick up a phone and i call a friend usually it's like split into three parts every conversation i have on a regular phone call the first half first part of the conversation is 
you know, norm formality, not formalities, but like niceness. Uh, you know, how are you? How's your family? How's your <laughs> how are you coping with lockdown? All that kind of stuff. Then you get to the meat of the conversation. Why you called them in the first place, right? There's always a purpose to reason why intention. you call someone. Yeah, intention. Yeah, just intention. That's exactly. the word. And then you la use the last part to get out of the conversation. So you find a way. <laughs> <laughs> so you find a way to end it. <laughs> So that's the thing here, man, at any given yeah. moment, the more we get tuned to this, it's like, hey, guys, I'm leaving. I say, stop. I sign myself out. But the conversation stays alive. It's actually yeah. fucking crazy where like we've had a couple episodes where it's like Sahib is talking to a friend of us, Sarah, for like 50 minutes. And then I join. But when I listen to the final podcast, there's an hour of time that exists outside of me, you know, hmm. and suddenly you realize that your <laughs> involvement just like is just crazy, your own right? present reality. <laughs> Right, and that's why the whole Discord function means like we're not, I'm not setting out here to talk to you, Burhan, or talk to you, Sohaib. Like if Sarah wanted to jump in, she could do it any moment, you know. And I want to try and foster yeah. that culture with Aram and Yannick and whoever else wants to. People that don't know each other, it doesn't matter, you know. Like eventually, we all connect because we've, we're creating this tradition together. Mm. It's a beautiful thing that we must we 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 must like really foster different. this, you know, and like mm. see where it goes. And maybe we'll have some like catchphrases like, you know, and when we say certain, when we ring a certain bell, it's like, we have no intention. <laughs> the only <laughs> intention is just to be. <laughs> or like a chime. We have no intention. <laughs> we have only intention just to be. It's, it, was, it was like a crystal realization to me. The other time I taking mushrooms, looking at the mountain. It's like the mountain's not trying to tell me anything. The mountain just is. That's it. It's so much simpler. Like it's, it's not trying like to, to hide some sort of metaphorical meaning. It's whatever you want it to mean. That's what the mountain means to you, right? So it's like, why not foster that type of energy of pure, open, intentionless interaction with people? I don't know if you guys have this, but one thing that I was really trying to ask myself throughout this like vision quest is like, why do I have to control it? Why do I direct my life? Like every, com it seemed like a lot of conversations and I'm coming out of this, I'm directing. Like I'm trying to direct what we talk about and trying to direct the outcome of the conversation, trying to direct like the way the energy feels. And who's to say that my direction is something that should be followed? <laughs> and it's kind of made me realize like, of course it isn't. Like just, you have to listen to, you have to kind of put your ear to the pulse of this planet. And that's what you should follow rather than just like, our own thin ideas of what is right and wrong. Yeah. Just take it in. Just have it up. take over you. Why ride the wave? I'm enjoying this, man. I feel like it's... I want, the only th problem with this esoteric domain of thought is that it doesn't sell itself well to people who aren't thinking this stuff. And I believe that we have the capacity to, to package it, at least for the people we care about most, to say, you know what? Join us on this journey, and we're all going to be better for it. And I think the good times thing was a bit of an ambitious, like lockdown style event to say, hey, let's all sit in the same room. But this as we're building now is a culture that grows slowly together. You know, now Burhan is in it. And I expect you'll probably jump on these calls much more often in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially around this uh, around this time, uh, because especially during the week, it's pretty much I'm. I keep every week I try to do something different in this time, like between, let's say, 6, 7 p.m. Uh, and midnight. So for a period, oh, for, wow. yeah, so for a period, for example, 
all I was doing was playing cyberpunk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> or, you know, at the time I was, I was reading um, or watching a show or whatever. And, and I think for me, this is, this is such a beautiful way to, to uh, also relax and actually express myself in a way, like I said, I, I don't get to do often. Uh, I really don't. Um, so, no, I'm definitely in beautiful man <laughs> at the end of Great. an experience like this you always walk with your shoulders held high you know i can't get this feeling after playing video games i can't get it after movies it's only when you sit and talk with your friends like this and you yes. put it to no account other than to say you know what let's just the podcast is the account essentially it's the liberation of time for us what it says is that we can express ideas to each other and not worry that they'll fleet because it's saved and if we think that there's something some valuable moment of friendship that existed we can relive it and we can reflect upon it and we can move forward that way yeah like this just listening to the podcast has already given me a real sense of who i am in the space of any friendship because now i can listen to myself the same way i'd listen to you you know i mean that that's something i can't even <laughs> comprehend <laughs> listening to 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 my to to, to the recording of this type of stuff that would be wild, honestly. At first it is, man. And then you begin to think, okay, well, Rob, you know, I talk a lot. But then I think <laughs> as, lo as long as it's like, as long as people are enjoying it, we keep moving. And you sort of, <laughs> you, you see it with the same apparatus you <laughs> use to judge anything. The same, you use your eyes, your ears, whatever, to judge anything. Now you can point it toward yourself. And it's mm. not the same self that's in the immediate real time of the Zoom call, where you have to like fix your hair constantly. So yes. like incessantly it's like yes. you can do nothing about it it exists it's happened you're like okay well yeah. i can think about it for the future you know i can reflect upon it and use yeah. this because i can do nothing about the conversation that's happened it exists it's done yeah it's beautiful man it's like there's so many places to go but i also have to recognize that like you can tap people out i could talk like this for at least another 10 hours <laughs> you know like the energy is there, but <laughs> yeah, that's the some people are like, you know what, I'm getting a little tired, and we can always do it tomorrow. <laughs> no? Yeah. So whatever you yeah, guys no. like, man. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I've unfortunately just realized that I have a bit of a problem at work, and I have to go save the okay. day. So. <laughs> Well, at least we so spent to some time together, man. No, no, it was good. It was good. And like I said, uh, I'm just, uh, I suppose, click away on Discord now. So uh, I'll, I'll probably check in yeah, as well to see when you guys are I'll online. I'll see you soon. Yeah, for sure. Godspeed, so, my friend. Thank you. Take care, Take guys. Care. Take care. Of course, we'll, see, we'll <laughs> hear right. your voice soon, I'm sure. Inshallah. Okay. <laughs> Talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Bye. So, nice quietly man. wait as Burhan slowly hangs up the call. Man. I have to share some news. Bad news. News? <laughs> the beginning. I don't, I don't know how much uh, I did not record. My battery turned off well, on, on me for a bit, but I think we got a lot of good stuff, though. <laughs> Luckily for you, I was doing most of the talking. <laughs> So, yeah, exactly. Like, we could probably fill exactly. it in. No, you no, you said a bunch of shit. But look, it doesn't in matter. In the beginning. The, so this is the quality of the conversation was there. The moment was there. It doesn't matter if it was saved. 
That was great. Like Uranga. Uranga. But I'll hit uh, I'll hit stop then. You know, we may as well like wrap it. I think. Uh, and stop. Stop. <laughs>